What's happening, y'all? This is Todd Wilson with another episode of Elevate Your Game. Today, we have father, head coach, former ba uh, pro player, former college a bit, player, yeah. a little yeah, bit, right? Yeah. Um, Mr. Deshaun Bryant. How you doing, man? I'm great, man. Thank you for coming to the show. Of course. Thanks for uh, Man, me and Deshaun connected over a text message right. through some mutual friends. Man, I've heard a lot about him as a coach. He was hearing, or I was popping up in his feed on Instagram. For sure, for sure. <laughs> and uh, man, we just connected and um, man, had to invite him on the show to give y'all some knowledge, people, give y'all some knowledge. So we love to start this show off with the wall of hoop movies. Your favorite hoop movie of all time God, and why? Dog, like that is, man, this wall is crazy. <laughs> I would say it's going to be a toss up between He Got Game and Blue Chips. And the reason why I say that because they're so relatable. Um, even Hoop Dream has a little bit of a, you know, it, it touches me a little bit. But he got game, blue tips for sure, uh, just because it's so realistic, right? I mean, Ray Allen was awesome in that movie. Denzel was awesome. I mean, the storyline was crazy. And then blue chips, you know, it, it's talked about what happens behind the scenes back in the day. Right. And I think a lot of people didn't know that. And a lot of people just kind of sat around and just was like, man, like, nah, ain't no way. And then you realize it, like, nah, that's, it's, it's real. Like, right. so I, I, they had the most realistic, you know, feel to it for me. Yeah. Do you have any uh, crazy recruiting trips? Both of those movies have some crazy recruiting trips. You know what? <laughs> I, I didn't, man. Because uh, to be completely transparent, I was uh, a Prop 48. I didn't pass my SAT. Oh, wow. I missed it by 10 points. And... Some people gonna think this is why you know my son decided to go there, but I I would have chosen I would have went to Arizona. Okay. But I ended up going to Long Beach State and playing for Seth Greenberg and had to play with Rock Lloyd, play yeah. with a lot of great guys there. Um, so it worked out for me because my brother and was at Long Beach Jordan played under the late and great Ron Massey. So it was time for me to mentor him. He went on and became All American. It was I mean the story goes on and on, but you know everything happens for a reason. Right. One hundred percent. So. Uh, when did you fall in love with basketball? Dude, oh, man. When I was, uh, I used to watch my dad play. He used to always put me in a, I remember being in a stroller, going up. I hated this dude at the park. He'd always come mess me. I was a baby. I used to be like, <laughs> dude, get away from me. But um, at Linwood Park, man, I, I, my dad used to take us up there. We would take these long walks. And um, he just up there, just watching him play. And then, I just remember like always being in the backyard. We had a court in the backyard. I remember the day it it rained so hard. And I went outside, shot the ball that same day because it stopped raining, broke the hoop. Cause it was the the fiberglass. The, yeah, the, no, the wood. Oh it got soft in the hoop broke. And I was up there just kept shooting. And my mom was like, boy, like ain't no hoop out there. What are you doing? I would be in the middle of the street dribbling the ball. Like going up and down this super long street, and I'm just dribbling. I'm just like, man, this is. It was so much of a. This is me. This is my time, right? I didn't really look at it as a game, like, until I think I. I, I would probably say probably my freshman year of high school. Wow. Like middle school, I was just kind of like playing to play. Mm -hmm. Even when I was younger, we had some rec leagues that would play. It was like, ah, oh, this is you know. And then like pops was kind of tough on me because he coached me. I was like, bro, like I just let me just enjoy this. But mm. as I got older, I saw it. And then once I got to college, I mean, not college, but high school, it was just, yo, know, I can do this. Hmm. I, I can do this. And I saw the talent around me. I don't know if you guys are familiar with a guy, Ernest Killam. Uh, went to Linwood, played Oregon State, died of a stroke. But, uh, I mean, 
Like he's, I mean, he had heart failure. I'm sorry. And um, unbelievable dude met him, and it was just kind of inspiration for me to keep going. Yeah. Like life is short, and just watching those guys play, and I think like in today's game, uh, a big part of it is these kids need to go watch games. Yeah. Don't go watch the big game. Go to the local gym and be like, yo, let me go watch this coach. Let me go watch this team. And I think that's, you know, we'll get into that later, but I think that's part of the, kind of the issue with high school basketball. Mm-hmm. I think everybody just goes to a school because it's popular and everybody goes there, which rightfully so, your friend goes there, you want to go there. But, you know, like I said, we'll get into that later. Yeah. No, no, no. That's, that's awesome. I think it's dope to have an organic love for the game, right? That's what I do. I bring my son. He's only two right now, but I take him to the gym, Right. you know, in the car, just put a ball in his hands while he's just in the car. Like, I want him to naturally fall in love with the game. Right. And then you even speak about your dad kind of pushing you. Yeah. And then, you know, now you with you and your kids, like how you probably approach it too. Uh So did your dad play on a high level or was he, you know, just a hoop? He just loved hoop. Yeah, he didn't, he loved hoop. He didn't play at a highlight. He played at Compton Centennial High School, uh, he was good, but he wasn't like like that. And you know, he was just—he loved the game. You could just tell. I mean, he coached kids. I mean, when you see a dude get kicked out of a rec league game, you're like, dude, what is going on? I mean, that was my dad. It was—it was that was my dad to a T. Um, he was the only guy standing up at half. You know, when you talking about a passionate dad, he was half during the game. He's going crazy. I'm like, dude, sit down. We up by twenty. Like, relax. Right. And he's laughing at me. And he's like, you know, like, you know, hey, you got to do this. You got to do that. And I was like, I had to tell him one day. I had to really sit down with him and like, look, Dad, I love you, but I'm not looking in the stands no more. Like, I got to I got to play basketball. I love that. And so that was a moment. That was a defining moment for me, having that conversation with him. It kind of, like, hurt him a little bit because he felt like he had showed me everything. And I was mm-hmm. like, nah, like, I'm all right. Like, that. I'll let you know if anything go wrong. So, and I think that's why I have the approach I have today, which is I'm going to sit in the corner. If you need me, I'm there. Yeah. Other than that, I, hands off awesome. to a certain degree. Man, that's awesome. So, so you said, uh, did you have any, like, um, trainer or coach before you got to high school besides your dad? Did you guys actually have work on stuff, or was it you just going out, like you said, dribbling up and down the street, shooting on the hoop? Was there any type of formal instruction then um, that, you know, got you ready for high school? No, my dad, it was just kind of all natural organic like people like you know people like to say it's my dad was just he was big on footwork fundamental ah. and he was built he was big on building up your body like he had me doing lunges he had me doing stuff and i'm just like why am i doing these legs exercises but as i got older uh truth be told i got my first dunk uh going into the seventh grade like sixth grade year Ooh. yeah so he was big on like how this. tall were you then i don't even remember i wasn't that i don't remember being that tall but I knew I had the ability to get off the ground. I was just like, why am I jumping so high? I didn't, like, half the time, I didn't know what I was doing. But I was just like, all right, cool. You know, and like I said, I really didn't know what was going on until I got to high school and as far as a trainer. I was like, no, oh, my pops just taught me how to do this. And yeah. you go, we had those open runs for high school, 8 a.m. on a Saturday and Sunday. And your coach opened up the gym, it's freezing cold, but... People coming from this school, that school, and like, yo, we coming to play ball. And that's that's how everybody got better. Mm. And it wasn't really like how people like to do, have these exclusive runs. It was just like, no, we, you come here. And like, I remember, you know, Shea Cotton coming up there a couple of times. Mm. And you just like, all right, you going against these dudes. And you're just like, man, it's funny because all those little youth teams I played on, 
all the guys I'm seeing, I'm like, dude, remember when we played this? Jason Hart. Uh, like, I was with me and Jay Hart, Kenny Bruner, like, Shea Cotton, like, all these different guys. And you just going, man, basketball is a trip. Right. It is a trip. So, it, it's, it's been good to me. So, yeah. Um, high school experience. So, you, you go to Linwood, mm-hmm. uh, stay there for four, all four years. Mm-hmm. No transferring and all that stuff. No. Yeah. I know it's different back in the day then, yeah. for sure. But what was your experience like in high school and L.A. basketball at the time was high level. Right. right. And so what was that experience like for you? Freshman year, it was, it was very different uh, because I was back and forth. I was JV, varsity. Uh, rest in peace, Coach Lee. He just passed away uh, thanks, uh, Thanksgiving evening. Great coach, great, uh, unbelievable mentor. Uh, but it was really just kind of me introducing because those teams were big back in the day. Like you, you're, I'm like, Yo, this dude is 6'7"? He's a sophomore? No way. You know, I, I think I walked in maybe, I was probably 6'2", 6'1", 6'2". And I, of course, I started to grow, but it was just like, I had a guy on my team that was 6'8", and he was dribbling the ball, handling the ball. I was like, what? No, 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 no. This ain't supposed to be happening. So the experience was great because I think AAU and high school re- were, like, cohesive. And not saying it's not now, but to some degree it kind of overlaps and you see certain things. But it was so close because we had Izzy Washington, right? Izzy Washington, rest in peace, unbelievable human being, but he cared about the kids. He held you accountable. So that high school experience, you knew the coach knew Izzy, Izzy knew the coach. So it wasn't no, you couldn't go and badmouth the coach. Like, man, you know, like you said, it wasn't no transfer. Like, no, you stand there. So... And again, it's different times, but that high school experience, playing those teams, constant just competition, right? You're doing all these great things, and you're like just like these teams are good. Like you play against Jock Vaughn, you play like these dudes are good. It wasn't no like oh, this team is bad. No, these guys were good, and I think that high school experience, getting beat up by the older guys, and also just going to different parks and playing, and that this that whole thing was just great it was just a different time yeah so. real real uh, like you said he got game like the same team they go and play the park together you right, just, right you're together as a team and you right. were together um yeah. you say so the aau ran together you play for izzy washington yeah. first, hey my young folks do not know who that is and uh-huh. what program that was so break that down for us uh slamming jam man <laughs> uh slamming jam and i'm pretty sure when this comes out everybody's gonna be like man what a time <laughs> i mean it was so popular and no disrespect to any aau program out there now but I don't think it was no more popular program than, like, Slamming Jam. I mean, we were, people were trying to, st- like, steal our shorts. Like, people were like, like, all right, we were so popular. Everything, Izzy had everything going so much that you really had to be good to be on this team. Right. If you ever get a chance to go through that history, you're going to be like, wait, this dude is, you're going to be like, yo, everybody play for them. But that's how you knew it was there. Like, it's different now. You got players, you got more high school, more talent. It wasn't multiple AAU programs. Right. It was one. It was like one or two. It was like, if Who you else play, was around the, uh, uh, SCA, was SCA up and running? I want to say yes, but I also want to say it was one other. I think it was, uh, they were based out of Carson. I cannot think of their name. I cannot think of their name, but uh, it, 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 we, you know, you had ARC, you had them a little bit, mm-hmm. but again, it was just a lot of just like, man, like, you had to play for this group. 
this is it. Yeah. And everybody was beating like beating down the doors to play for Slamming Jam. And so when that took off, when everybody was playing, you had you you just couldn't and you everybody was like, Oh, I want to play older. No, you couldn't play because you not fit to outplay Charles O'Bannon. You not that's not <laughs> happening. You already knew it. Like I, <laughs> right. all right, I'm good, bro. Like I'm not we're not we're not doing that. So there were so many like different guys that were good, like in their own and they all played together. They knew how to play the game. It wasn't no ISO ball. It was just like, yo, we know how to play. And we were played against the teams from the East Coast. And if you didn't play right, you got you got smacked. It wasn't no buddy buddy basketball. And I think everybody in this day and age is like it's okay, like you got your boys. But it was a lot of like just like, nah, we 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 it's just you and I, let's let's get this done. So I mean that AAU scene was very different, and like I said, it was very cohesive to to what the you know what high school was. Because if you didn't play for the AAU team, you play going out of high school and you got better. Right. So again, the high school team is getting better because okay, you didn't make this team, so now we gotta play together. Yeah. Now I feel like teams are just everywhere. You got just like yep. you don't know where your kids are. You're like, wait, I thought you were playing with them. No, because they didn't like me. Well, <laughs> they gave me a blue backpack and they gave everybody else a black one. Like what? Like just. It, it's it, it's it's really different, and I'm gonna leave it at that. That's yeah. what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna leave no, it. No, you that. definitely have to navigate these waters different than when we. I, mean, I was. It was the same for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I grew up in the early 2000s when I was in high school. But it was mm-hmm. the same. We didn't have a bunch of teams like that. That's right. when they started to pop up. And yeah. I grew up in the IE, uh-huh. and there's only two teams in the whole area. There was a Riverside and a Corona team where we were Norco, uh-huh. um, and that was it. It was like you either play for one of those or you don't. Right. And you know, I was I was a sixth man most of my life. Uh-huh. Like. But I thrived in that role because right. that's what it was. Because the, right. the best, I was playing with the best players. Yeah. And so um, these kids, I think it's important to how we navigate that now, right? With mm. so many club teams. How do I get my kid in a position where he's going to ha- face adversity, uh-huh. be forced to get better, but also have a chance to develop? Yeah. And then finding those opportunities, you know, uh-huh. you got to figure that out. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Um, so in, in high school, so. Um, just reminiscing, any real big games that you remember? Oh, um, man, make me go there. <laughs> um, moments that you remember that were kind of defining for your career that kind of changed your perspective of, like you said, when you got to high school, it's like, man, these dudes are big. I'm going to have to really compete. Um, any, some, uh, a moment that you were playing against somebody, you were like, oh man, or, or it clicked like, oh, I'm, I could play college ball or those kind of thoughts. Uh, a lot of it came in, uh, yeah, let me think. So Dominguez High School at the time, yeah, right. So they had Kenny Bruner, had Tommy Prince, Tayshawn was a freshman. Um, that group, even before those guys came in, that was a tough group to play against. And I would do well in those games. And I'm like, oh, I'm made for this, mm. right? I remember my one of my first summer league games. I played against Charles O'Bannon. I got a rebound. I promise you, I got a rebound. And I'm like, you know, coach said, keep the ball high. I kept. He takes it out of my head, dunks it. I'm like. <laughs> All right, man, here we go. Like, you, you got to wake up. So, you know, playing against those guys, having guys like Toby Bailey, Cameron Murray, Tracy, like all those guys, man. right, they were mentors at the same time. James mm-hmm. Cotton, like, you had a lot of guys that were just like, you know, uh, unsung heroes. Guy like Cameron Sufi. Like, everybody, if you, people don't even know who Cameron Sufi is. He played for modern day. He was their point guard. He was the guy running the whole show back in the day. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, he coached the NBA with Scotty Brook. You know, it's just guys like that. You look past games against Jock Bond. Like I'm like, dude, I gotta get better. <laughs> you know, Mike, Michael Quinn. Like it just, you just, 
you're sitting there going, all right, bro, like, this is real. And then the LA teams, you had Fremont, Ricky Price, you had Tawai, you had all these different teams, and you could never, ever relax. It yeah. was never a game you was like, are we going to beat them? Even in your league. And you're like, oh, we play Warren. They're good, you know. Nah. Then they had two kids. It was like, no, these dudes is good. We got to really come out and play. So I think it was just a different time. And, you know, I told you I was going to talk about this later, but all those kids were staying at their local high schools. Yeah. But you also had coaches that loved the game. Mm. You have some coaches now. I'm not saying they don't love it, but they, they're they taking the job to, to go get the next job. Yep. They're not saying, I'm going to be here as long as they want me here. I'm going to build this program. So, therefore, you know, if you see that, the kids are going like, well, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go over there. So, you have a lot of inconsistencies. But back in the day, yeah, I mean, it was so many different games. I, it's hard to name one. I mean, Dominguez during the summer. You played against certain guys like, man, I'm, I can do this. This mm-hmm. ain't. Yeah. Oh, hold on. All I got to do is get to this. this. Oh, man, no, I'm, I'm about to get this done. And then, um, you know, you're seeing your peers. You know, I played uh, against and with Paul Pierce. It was a game, actually, uh, in Vegas. Imagine this. Baron Davis, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett on one team. KG came and played with Yes, K-Swiss. I asked. Yes, <laughs> I remember that game. I remember KG made a move, and I'm just going, you know what, man? <laughs> I got to really get to it. But, I mean, again, with some talented guys. I mean, you go back and look at that 95, 95 All-American class, and it was funny. I ran into KG. I think it was a little more than a year ago. His daughter plays volleyball. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's, like, standing right here. I'm right here. Carter's right here. And I'm like, I said, I tapped him. Introduce myself. We start talking about '95 year, dude. Like you talking about a special year for basketball. Yeah. That '95 year, you had Paul Pierce, you had Chauncey Billups. It was like, gosh, you got so many guys. You just like, what class was I in? I looked at my parents like y'all couldn't wait like three more years before <laughs> like because after that it was it was Kobe. It was a rest of the, it was like, right. but that was a great time. Yeah. It was a great time, even the guys before that. So. I mean, it was a it was a special time, but it wasn't one particular game. When I started mm-hmm. really scoring and like being active, guard guys shutting that guys down, I was like, "Oh yeah, I can do this. Yeah, this is happening." Yeah, I think that that time was the last of a a different breed of basketball for player sure. because we talk about the mentality that you had to have, just living in L.A. for one, right, yeah, and and what that means to navigate your lifestyle, mm-hmm. the toughness <clears throat> that you had to have. Um, our last guest, Keon, talked about this. Like uh-huh. he, he was so mentally tough to an extent, and everything was competitive. And the competitiveness wasn't for me to get somewhere. It was for me to win and I'm to be a head. team player and to do all these things that basketball is really about at the end of the day. Right. And I think, you know, that kind of changed once people saw that you can develop the skill and the talent, or you can have, I say, you can develop the skill you need to get to the next level right. without having that attitude. No, and so, that's it. Yeah. I think that's a that's a big part of it. And like what you're talking about is like you you didn't back down when you saw all these dudes. It was like, oh no, nah, this is what I gotta do to be to compete right. with them. Right. And I think um I think that mentality, you know, is it's rare now. No, for sure. I mean you think about those Crenshaw teams, right? Yo, like you played against those guys and it's like you didn't have time to think about nothing. <laughs> you if you if you blinked, the game was over. It was like, this game is done. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, the Chris R. team. Well, let's think about the Manual Arts team. 
Like, that team, I remember we went in there. I, I remember it vividly. We had just gotten our shoes. We was getting on the bus. Coach was like, everybody's complaining. Oh, my, coach, my shoes are going to be slippery. Oh, okay. So we did defensive drills for like 30 minutes before we got on the bus. Y'all shoes broken in now? Yeah. We lost by 40. Oof. We came back in practice. Mm. I remember when we drove out to JW North, we got our butts kicked. Mm. And when I tell you there was just a all up and down California, just talent. I remember going to South Tahoe, playing against Coach at uh, Stanford, Haas. They beat us down. Mm. And I was just like, wait, what? So you just, like I said, it was just talent everywhere. And they played basketball. And you, you played against certain teams that just did the fundamentals. You just learn the game differently. You go down to Orange County. Like, we lost, I remember my freshman year, we lost to Capistrano Valley. They kicked our butt. They had a kid, I remember his name. That's how badly they kicked him. A kid named Tom Harris. Did not miss from three. I'm just like, dude, are you kidding me? I'm a freshman. And I'm going like, man. And I didn't realize it. I never got back to that championship game. Mm. Never got back to there. Wow. And I was just like, if I ever get back here, whether it's a, you know, college, like playing championship game or as a coach, I, I won't take it for granted. And I since that point, I haven't. Yeah. And now, whether it's a tournament, whether it's, you know, AAU, like, you don't take that because it's an experience that like, many people don't get. Right. They look past it. And yep. I'm just like, no, nah, I won't take that for granted ever again. Absolutely. High yeah. school goes by fast, man. People don't understand. Man. I mean, I know you know. you. Yeah, like, Carter was just probably a freshman in your mind. Now he's graduating. Like, yeah. <laughs> it flew yeah. by now as a parent seeing that, too. Yes. And so, um, you touched on it earlier. We'll talk about, you know, recruitment. So, in high school, you're you're getting recruited. Um uh, what was that experience like, you know, for that for that time? And who were you getting recruited by? You know, how did how did that whole uh, system work out for you? Uh, it was more handwritten letters were a big ordeal back then. You know, everybody were getting letters. I was getting stacks of letters, you know, and people were like, oh, you're getting all these letters. I remember, excuse me, some of those guys that were at my school were telling me, like, until it's written, it's not real. Mm. So I was like, all right, you so you see UCLA, U, Utah, you see SC, um, heck, Missouri. I was getting letters from all over. Um, and as time went on, you know, like I told you, it was Arizona, you know, uh, Lou Dosa, uh, Kevin Eastman at Washington State. So I had all these guys, like, like recruit me, Seth Greenberg, you know, I mean, a lot of great coaches. And those letters, like I said, they were pouring in, pouring in, pouring in. And then as it went on, you start to realize, like, hey, you have to maintain a certain level of play for those guys to keep recruiting. Not saying I didn't, mm -hmm. but you can see guys falling off. But mm -hmm. then you can see other guys rising. Right. You're like, oh, okay, this has got to be consistent. So I really didn't pay attention to recruiting. I didn't get into I was like, you know, I kind of knew I wanted to go to a certain school. So it wasn't the media like, oh, where you want to school? My coach would ask, where would you go to school right now? I would tell him, like, he was like, well, look at this and look at that. Okay, cool. And when I kept watching Arizona play, I was just like, I was like, I'm, I was this guy. I want to get up and down. I wasn't a really half-court guy. I was like, I, I like to get up and down. I'm not mm -hmm. saying I couldn't be in a half-court, but I started seeing different teams. I'm just like, okay, I like this. You know, I, I like Romar, you know. Mm -hmm. Romar, I believe, was at UCLA at the time. And I, I loved him. I still, I'm still good friends with him. So it was just more so about 
who did I have the best relationship with? Right. Like who do I who did where did I feel like I was going to be valued as a person? You know, and I was like, yeah, I know I'm talented. No, I can do this. I can do that. But you know, it's another big part of it. And that's the part my mom would always tell me like, there's more than this than getting up and going to practice. Yeah, you have to see yourself on that canvas, walking around, talking to that coach. Yeah, talking to that the people around you, that community. You might live in that community one day. So is that a town you want to be in, or is it just like you're just going for basketball? So and I just kind of ran with that. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that was my recruitment. Like I said, I got recruited by Kansas State, Stanford, like name them. Like, yeah. I, I got recruited. My only team I, I don't think I really got recruited by, of course, was Carolina and Duke. And that was, you know, that was the thing where it was like, you got Carolina and Duke. You knew you was like really special. But, and yeah, I ain't like thinking about Louisville. Like, not name them all. I remember Denny Crumb sending me something. I'm like, all right, so I got all these, you know, these letters, but. It was like never somewhere. I was like, oh, okay. People was telling me like, oh, you're getting recruited by this school. I'm like, yeah, cool. But I just wait for 3.30 to come around so I can practice. Like, it <laughs> wasn't hooping. Yeah, I was just hooping. <laughs> what would the handwritten letter be equivalent to today for kids being recruited? You know, you're saying you're, you're like, that's when you're really getting recruited, when you get a handwritten letter. Offers. Straight offers. Okay. Yeah. Offer yeah. from the head coach. Yeah, from the head. I like that. Offer from the head coach. Like, and there's no disrespect to the assistant coach. No, but that happens a lot. It's like, I got it. They got to get permission to offer you, and that means that they're looking at you, and the coach is trusting them to do it. Right. But when the head coach does it, you know, it's real. Yeah. You know it's for real. Yeah. It ain't no like, all right, go ahead and offer him because he's a top fifty kid. Yeah. Like the head coach is calling, like, hey, you know. You know what it is. Yep. Yep. So. So that's the handwritten letter. I like that. I, I yeah. want to. I want to get the kids to understand yeah. how important that that part of the uh, game was. So. Um, you said you wanted to go to Arizona. That mm-hmm. was the, the main school, and that SAT, you said you missed it by 10 points. Yeah. 10 points. What, you know, what what was your preparation for the SAT? What, how did that feel? Um, and, and you know, what what happened after that? Full transparency, I wasn't really locked in like I should have been because um, guys before me, I was like, he passed SAT, I'm passing it. <laughs> Right, that was my mindset. I was kind of stubborn with that, and I don't believe I studied. And later on, they find out until I had like an issue with anxiety, like test anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize until I was taking my test. When I tell you I was pouring sweat, I had to change shirts, right. and I was like, "What is going on with me?" And I didn't know, and I thought it was just a me. You know, I'm just like, oh, "Okay, you nervous? You gotta be all right." Like, couldn't think straight, nothing. And then when it got to pressure time. It was like, I, I can't think straight. Mm. I didn't know how to study. And now it's like, okay, now I know I knew exactly what yeah. it felt like. So to not pass that, it hurt. But like I told you before, it was a blessing in disguise because my brother went to school at Long Beach, Jordan. I went to Long Beach State. So what was he able to do? Come to my games. Mm-hmm. He was able to come to my dorms. He even came to some of my, he gave me a couple classes. So I would go see his games. I would have practice, rush over to see his games, and all that other stuff. So he needed me at that time, which was huge for him. Yeah. Because he just, all he knew his brother went on to play college ball. He didn't want to be forgotten. Yeah. So it was, you know, again, my mom sent him to Long Beach Jordan from Ron Massey. It wasn't basketball. It was Ron Massey. as a coach. Because him as a man. Yeah. And that's what my mom saw. It wasn't the basketball part. So 
he went there and that was just I didn't realize the blessing at that time and what I felt when I didn't pass it like I felt like I had let down myself I, I'm very hard on myself and I let down for like nah that's not what it's supposed to be but as time went on I felt like God kept revealing certain things to me and I kept getting to a point where I was just like alright that makes sense and I had Seth Greenberg after my freshman year I had to sit out that first year that first semester was so hard for me because I didn't understand time management. And time management was difficult for me because I never had to do it. Think about high school, public high school. From 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock, whatever it was, to 5 o'clock, your day was playing. School, lunch, practice. So it's not like that in college. <laughs> right. Not even close. Like you're literally, you got these empty sp spaces where you don't know what to do. My freshman year, I'm sitting there going, all right, what do I do? I had class from 8 to 12, right? We didn't practice it later on. So from 12 to 4, 12 to 5, what were you doing, Deshaun? Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, number one volleyball team in the nation, girls volleyball team in the nation. Yep. So there's distractions, mm -hmm. stuff you're not used to, nobody tells you about. And at the time, you know, we're hanging around these, these girls, and we're thinking, like, oh, life is great. You know, life is great. And we're just hanging out, not realizing that four or five hours, I could have been in the gym and got better. Yeah. I could have studied, yeah. and I did it. And that first semester, I almost fell out of college. Like, Greenberg was like, yo, I'm done with you. He would walk right past me, act like I wasn't even there. And it wasn't, he wasn't being mean, but it was just like, no, I mean, you want to be lazy? Like, do you know what your mom does to get you to this point? That man ran me. I don't. I couldn't run no more. Mm -hmm. I couldn't run no more. And from that point on, I think my GPA, I finished, QM GPA was 3.5. I'm going to be safe. Change the game. But it was just the time management. So it was, then I had a guy like James Cotton that he, come here, man. And get me up in the morning before class, work out. Mm. Okay, now you get here. You do this, you do that, you do this, you do that. Got it. So put me in a routine. Yeah. And these young kids don't understand how important routine is nowadays. So you're Coach Bryant of today. You mm -hmm. go back and talk to your, were you 17 or 18 when you graduated? Uh, 18. 18. So yeah. you talk to your 18-year-old self. Uh, what advice would you give yourself or, you know, a kid going into that situation now? Biggest advice would be don't be so hard on yourself. Get a routine. Because I, my mom, you know, your parents give you a routine. You're like, Come on, mom. Like, I got it. I got to get up, wash my face. But get your own routine mm -hmm. because it gives you a, a base to go from. It gives you a fundamental base, just like basketball. If you don't have, how many athletes, you know, great athletes, bad, bad footwork, right? Don't know where to put the ball. Yep. Don't understand little things. And, that, and that's one of the just the little things. Like, make your bed, dude. Yep. Clean your room up. Just clean. Because when you come back home, your mind's going to be clear. Those little things. That's what I would tell myself. 100%. Like, I would tell myself, work a little bit harder. This is going to be worth it in the end. So that was that was it for me. I love that. Love that. All right, so college now. Uh, getting to your second year, you're able to play. Mm -hmm. You're eligible to play. Mm -hmm. um, what is playing like at Long Beach State? It was amazing, man. Uh, uh, Coach Greenberg, he went, to, he went to South Florida. He wanted me to transfer to South Florida, but I was just like, nah. Staying at home. Yeah, I was, you know, stay at home. That second year was tough because we had 
team I, I felt was really good. But Greenberg leaving was like, dang, Greenberg left. Because he was a staple. Like, Greenberg recruited locally. Mm-hmm. When I tell you Greenberg was, he wasn't, if he went back east, he knew who he was getting. He wasn't wasting his time just sitting there. He was, I'm, I'm getting this guy. But he was at Lakewood High School. He was at any local school. You were not recruiting Greenberg at the local school. It wasn't happening. He was there. He was there. Juco's the whole nine. But in that second year, man, it became a special year for me because I had James Cotton. I had a guy, a good friend of mine, Brian Calibitz. Uh And those guys really pushed me. They really, when I say push me, like, they didn't let me get away with nothing. Mm. Nothing. Accountability. Oh, man. Like, I would try to leave the gym and go eat. And be like, where are you going? We'll feed you. Play. We're playing. We're going to get an extra lift in. So it would be me, James, and Shay in the gym over the summer. Because James worked for his dad. They had a construction company. Mm. So James would come in with these boots with cement all over him. Like, he got stuff on his face. And I'm like, he'd be like, you ain't working hard. Like, I just worked here and I'm here. <laughs> right. So I started realizing what it was to work hard. And then I had another mentor of mine that went there, Walkie Hawkins. So he went to Linwood too, but he was before me. He also went to Long Beach State. Those guys were, they were, it, it wasn't, it wasn't no. And that's that second year getting on the floor playing, realizing how hard you had to play all the time, it was eye opening for me. So that third and fourth year, and I got my freshman year back because I, you know, passed a certain amount of classes and I graduated. When I got that last year back, that me being a veteran going through that, so everybody came in, I was like, no, we don't do that. No, coach, no. Case in point, Romel Lloyd, Rock Lloyd, yeah. had a hard time came from Cherry because Wayne Morgan was our coach. And Rock had to sit out that year. That was hard for him because Rock is a real hoop head. He loved a hoop. Yeah. So that's it. when I tell you me and him became close, like, yo, it's going to be all right. He was struggling. But if I wouldn't have never got that mentorship my second year, I wouldn't have been able to help Rock. Mm. So when he got on the floor that my, my quote-unquote senior year, oh, we was rolling. And then that fifth year, we cracked top 25. Nice. So that second year really propelled me. It was like, yo, get it done. Get it done. Do you, as a kid now going into a college situation, do you go and look for those mentors? Or do you even... In the recruiting process, you're looking at the program saying, hey, how do you guys set up mentorship in this program? Like for a kid who's, you know, about to go into a situation, I think it's so important. I hear that all the time, you know, Mm -hmm. the old heads and the vets Mm -hmm. who helped them through, even the NBA players that we Mm -hmm. talked to, the vets who pushed them through. Um, As a young kid going into that situation, how do I make sure I get that kind of mentorship? I think that starts way before that. It's the ability to listen to your grandfather. Mm -hmm your grandmother, the ones that have wisdom. Because uh, then that energy transfers to you. You know where to get it from. You can, that, it'll, you'll find it. It'll find you. Like, I'm going towards that person. A lot of these young kids, they have so many resources, but they don't know who to go to. They think about Instagram, all the, re- the things they can look up. Yeah. And it's like, they don't do it. And they don't know who's who. And it's like we, I wouldn't say we've given them too much. The ability to listen to your grandfather, to get that wisdom, like, and your grandmother every day, that that uncle, that even though you have to barbecue, he always got something crazy to say <laughs> to you. 
but he got a lot of wisdom. Yes. Right? It's it's that way before you even start playing basketball. So that way, when you go to high school and you go into a certain one, you can look on that bench. You can look around and go, all right, that's where I'm going because I want the wisdom. Yeah. Right? This ain't going to be easy. Then once you get to college, those those guys are important. Those guys are not going to hunt you down. Like Carter, right? He's made a connection with Andre. Right? I, it's funny because Aaron Gordon, a good friend of mine, Tony Harvey, is his cousin. And I met Aaron Gordon when he was probably 17. And I know Aaron doesn't remember that, of course. Mm. But, like, Aaron went to Arizona. So I know Carter's going to reach out to Aaron. Carter's already talked out to Gil. He has already talked to Gil. Mm. He's talked to a lot of those different guys. Yeah. And so for him, he knows that. But that started way before then. Yeah. That was me and my brother and, of course, Carter's mom. Hey, listen to your elders. Yeah. They've been there before. And it's hard for kids. We've done it. Like, oh, man, you oh, hey, you don't know. I think it's more for the parents, though, is to tell you, because I don't think parents are telling their kids to listen to elders, man. Uh-huh. The level of uh, <laughs> respect that they have for elders has changed. One for sure. Like, I'm dealing, you know, I'm dealing with these middle school kids mm-hmm. where, I, you know, they act like their parents do towards people. And you can see it, right? They're right. going to do what you do, not what you say. Yeah. And so, in order to respect your elders, you also got to respect your right. elders as a parent and right. tell them and not, no, how do I want to say this? Always support your kid and make sure they're straight in a safe environment. Right. But do not allow, don't enable them. In right. your situation, hold them accountable because the coach said something, yeah. and now you're you know you're fighting to their defense of something that doesn't that they need to learn a lesson in playing right. time or coach said I can't do this or whatever it is. I think that's the part that's the separator for these kids who are going high major division one is that they're coachable because yeah. you've got to be coachable in the next level or you gonna oh, sit yeah. down. These, oh. these are people's jobs, like you said. These coaches are they have their job, they have their responsibilities too. And the kids they recruit determine how well you do. I'll, I'll say this. I'm going to give the parents and these players some free game. When you're getting recruited by a college, everybody knows coaches look at the parents. They look at that. You know what your job is? Young, you know, you, you student athletes? <laughs> you're not supposed to you can't ruin that coach's wife's lifestyle. Mm. That's why he or she is able to go out and recruit. And do it. Because you think about the time and effort these college coaches put in. It doesn't stop. Right. Final four is over. They're on the road. Yeah. When do these wives and kids get their husbands back? Very rare, right? So... If the woman of the house is not okay, if you mess up her lifestyle, she has the ability to go do good things, take care of her kids. She doesn't have to look into her bank account. She can go shopping. She can go do whatever she wants. She can take care of the house, decorate the house, improve the house, multiply them up. That, that's, what she, that's what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. She has to drop off the kids. But in the meantime, if she gets to go take a week off to go to Italy and go shopping or do it, don't mess that up. In mm-hmm. the moment you, if you're a kid and you mess up that moment, that's why the coaches take you to their house mm-hmm. when you were in college. That's why you go eat at the coach's house. Because the coach is subconsciously telling you, you see this? 
Don't mess this up. Because <laughs> the moment you do, you're gone. And it's not necessary. It's not a money thing. I've worked hard for this, kid. Don't mess this up. So people you wonder why the kids don't get recruited. Because they see certain things in your kid that's going to mess up their world. Why would I invite that in? Why would I do that? I'm not doing that. So these parents need to understand that. These kids need to understand that. Yeah. So when you get on the internet talking about they sleeping on me, no, stop. <laughs> you too comfortable. When do you fall asleep? Tired. You fall asleep when? When you're comfortable, not when you're tired. Right. Yeah. So you guys got comfortable. And the coaches can see your comfort level. They watch little things like this. How many kids you know right after games pick up their phone? Right after. Man. But don't, none of them come to the coach like, talk to the coach. They don't sit and watch the next team during AAU. Yeah. Hey, this team we playing next, they, they watch that stuff. So why? You're not invested in you. Why would I? I'm not doing that. Even the most talented kids. The ones that are elite are the ones doing that without being told to do it to a certain degree. Because going back to kids being around the game, they see it. It's power in being around those teams, watching those older guys like, oh, why are they watching that team and why do they stay after? Yep. Like, that's what that is. And I think people have really missed that part. Yeah. And that's the part that's just like, man, if it's y'all think that all, <coughs> it's yeah. a separator now because, like you're saying, like every, we all have skills, talent, got a gym, we have all that. That's the part they're missing. They, the the character, the person, right. who you are is so important to that next level and, mm-hmm. and having success on that next level. Because like you said, you could get there, right? You got to college and you didn't know the, right. the structure, but you got there. But thank God you had people and you had the, you know, your parents raised you to listen to those authorities and, you know, mentors or whatever it is to achieve what you need to achieve once you get there. Yeah. And that's that's what you need. And yeah. so parents, that's instilled from birth. Right. <laughs> that's instilled from a young age of being coachable. Right. And so, no, thank you for that. That's, uh, yeah. that's no. free game, y'all. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then, I, I mean, <laughs> as far as the parents, one of the biggest things you can do is sit in the corner. Sit in the corner. Just be a parent. I promise you. It's hard because a lot of parents have been competitive. Sit in the corner. That's why we build relationships. You do right by people, the people you put your kids with, they're going to do right. They're going to do right by them. But part of that failure and struggling, that's part of it. We got to stop being so like, oh, he ain't get enough touches. Hey, go sit and practice. That's why my practices are open. I let my parents, come watch. Mm. Watch how many times I got to tell him to tuck in his jersey. Watch how many times he don't touch a line. And he doing it because he know I ain't looking. I don't watch my kids touch a lot because it's going to show. And that's going to give you your time on the floor. It's going to show. Yeah. I don't have to do it. I learned that from my mom. My mom be like, I ain't fit to do all that. You know why? Because it's going to show. Your habits going to show. Hmm. So I see it. You don't want to get stick hand up? All right, don't get it up. And you get hit in the mouth for X amount of points, game one and three, bang. You want to get your hands up? Fine, don't get them up. But you're going to come sit down now. <laughs> so you are actually contributing to your own demise. Yep. But for the parents, I promise you, just go watch a practice. Go sit in the corner. Just that's what I do in high school. So you can see your kids' habits. Mm. So when they come running to you talking about coach don't like me, practice start at three thirty. Your son walking in at three twenty five, and got 
nothing, no gear on, nothing, eating a sandwich. And I, I'm wrong? Yeah. No, I'm not. But I run my, again, run my program there. But I think parents, if you can, as time goes on, sit in the corner. You know they're watching you, especially now because you got these NIL deals. Mm-hmm. They're watching you. And don't go searching for NIL deals, parents. That ain't your job. Be a parent. Because when this all shakes down, when they done playing, you still a parent. Yes. You are a parent. Not their manager. Yes. Because the, <laughs> m- the moment you try to get into that space, and I get it, you're trying to make sure they're okay. Whatever happens, that's part of the plan. That's part of the process. What you thought, Whatever you taught them along the way, trust what you taught them. And that's hard to do for us. I've been, I've struggled with it. Carter's mom has struggled with it at times. And it's just one of those things. It's like, like I got homeboys on. Hey, sit down. Like, I'm good friends with Braden Murray's dad. Mm-hmm. Man, we sit there. You won't even know we're in the crowd. We just yeah. sitting there. Yeah. But that's what you have to I do. I seen y'all. I, I actually, I recognize that because I've always admired how y'all kids play. Yeah. And um, I had the pleasure of meeting Bobby and, and mm-hmm. breaking bread with him, and it was mm-hmm. the same thing. And yeah. I think part of that is, too, is y'all hoop before as well, right? Right. And so you guys understand that process. And getting other parents to understand that process I think it takes people like you uh-huh. to give them that education somehow. You know, the ones that you're connected to, I'm sure the ones in your program or mm-hmm. ones that, you know, Carter plays with and giving them that education of, hey, you don't have to be the promoter for your kid. Yeah. Their game is their game's going to speak. Mm-hmm. Their habits are going to show. Your job is to teach them how to have those habits. Well, and that's, that's the key to this. Right. Because there's people who are in the NBA whose parents have never touched a basketball. 100%. But how they raise them truly did matter so yeah. Yeah. no man that's uh that's dope so yeah. uh man i had a great question as you were sp- talking about all that and i am going to remember it later but okay. <laughs> uh transitioning from college so you said the last year you guys were ranked uh did you guys see the ncaa tournament how nah. far did you get in the conference tournament what happened there nah we got to the conference tournament so we got to the conference title game oh could have been semis uh two years in a row I lost <laughs> two guys Roberto Bergeson, I, I, to this day, I hate this dude. I grinded that dude. He hit me for 25. Oof. He, was in, he was in such good shape, but he was just smart. He would lose me off screens. Mm. Like, I was just like, dude, like, I can't I get to this dude. Um, and then another kid that went to New Mexico State, Billy Keys, point guard. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Bro, so tough. So tough. Just, he, you think you had him figured out? You, nah, you didn't have He was so <laughs> tough. But we lost. Um. But we never got a chance to see the NCAA tournament. Uh, but it was just the goal from the records we had. Like we were the laughing stock. People were like, "Dude, this yeah. team is tonight." That last year, cracking, cracking top twenty-five, and then seeing the guys like, you know, Cashware come in and do his thing. Like yeah. seeing those guys after, you know, uh, James Enid. Like all yeah. those guys come in. You know, it's like, dude, you realize like, all right, you laid the foundation. You mm-hmm. built it back up. Let's yeah. keep keep it going. Keep it going. Who was your coach after Greenberg? Was it? It was Wayne Morgan. Okay. Wayne Morgan. Wayne Morgan. So, like I said, after that, after that space, and then leaving college, I really didn't. I didn't have the guidance outside of my coaches. People that like were like, "Hey, get your tapes together. Get this together. Get that yep. together." It wasn't. So I didn't understand it. So I was trying out for teams. I was like. 
I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I was going in. I was killing these workouts. But I wouldn't get callbacks. I'm like, what, what is going on? And I worked out with some NBA teams, played in some summer, summer league teams. I just always felt I was good enough. I, I knew I was good enough because I would work out down at uh, DeAnthony Langston, mm. who also went to Long Beach State alumni. He had the real run down to Carson. But every morning we would play at like 8 in the morning, from like 8 to 10. And Paul Pierce, all these dudes show up. And I'm out there like, yo, I, come on, man. I, I, I belong out there. But I didn't have that, like, yo, D, come with me over here. We're going to work out. We're going to get this. You got to be in this door. You got to be in this door. Yep. Right? Guys like Jason Crow, good friends with Paul Pierce. So Jason was a hard worker, bro. Y'all think y'all think his son, like, his his son can score, can hoop. But Jason, bro, you were not working, Jason. He was, he, Jason would go all right. He wasn't going left. He go all right. You couldn't stop him going right, but he was like a monster, and like when you go against guys like that all the time, and he getting his shot, and then you going like, he he doing well in these workouts, and then you see they turn up another level of NBA guy, you like, damn, you gotta be really good, <laughs> right? Like, you gotta be really damn good. So I got to a point, I said, all right, how do I give back? My thing was, everybody's like, you should coach, man. Nah. You should coach. Yeah, my mom t- tell me. Oh, you're going to be around kids your, your, your career. I'm like, oh, come on, man. Like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to work for a fortune. And I would deviate from her. I work for this company, that company. She went, you ain't listening yet? I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> she was like, go coach. I started coaching. What was it about you that you think, you know, the attributes about you that they knew that that's the route that you should have been going? I don't even know. To this day, I don't know. I can honestly answer that. Like, I, I've never asked my mom that. I've never been like, why did you think that was a thing? Just, I never I, I never asked because I just I accepted it. Once I accepted it, I was like, yes, this is not necessarily easy for me. It challenges me in so many different ways, but it's really simple for me. Yeah. It's not hard for me to be. It's, it's not, I'm not sitting there going like, ah, oh, this is so hard. You know, it's hard in a way of, like, growth. It's not hard to, like, Yo, I ain't supposed to be doing this. Like, I, when I tell you I worked for some Fortune 500 companies, I was like, uh, that ain't it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to go be a, uh, a wealth manager. I'm not doing it. And everyone's like, wow, you make good money. I said, because I got to chase down people for money. Right. I, I, like, I don't have a, pa- I have a passion to talk to people and speak to people about certain things. But after a while, I was just like, no, I can't. <laughs> I'm not doing this. So. Yeah. So I found success in coaching. I was just like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. So what was your first coaching gig? Whew. Uh, first coaching gig was actually high school or just in general? And I said, start in general. Uh, in general, I was actually coaching. This is so crazy. It's funny that you're ringing this up. Newport Community Center. Newport Beach Community Center. I started coaching out there at a little rec league. And then uh, I people would ask me to come back and play. So I would go play. So I was in between. So that was like like my first experience where I'm like, I'm coaching. Yeah. Didn't know what I was doing. I was just like, I'm just coaching, right? Bunch of kids, we having fun. Parents is happy. I'm like, all right, we're good. But that was my first experience coaching. And then um, high school, my first coaching experience was actually at Long Beach Wilson. Uh, I was was on the girl side. Okay. And um, I did 
we did well. We had one of the top teams in the state. I then I was like, ah. Then I moved out to uh, I was out in Riverside. Uh, I coached at the deaf school for two years. Okay. So I know sign language. So I, I coached there for two two years. Had a pretty how, good day. So we have to talk about this. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you get connected to that job, and what was that experience like? So Carter's mom, mm. she's a sign language interpreter. Okay, gotcha. So I ended up being there, learning sign language just on the fly. Got it. So just like, okay, I got to learn this if I'm a coach here. So, and story, Carter's, his, not my mom, but his um, mom, you know, mom and her, uh, her dad are deaf. Uh, so they all know sign language. So I ended up being at the deaf school, like pretty much coaching there. I was actually on the USA Deaf Olympic Committee for a little bit. So I was there for two years. Then I went to King High School, and that's where I had Kawhi Leonard, Tony Snell, Eric Wise. Oh, yeah. Man, did not put all this together. It makes sense. I grew up in Corona. Okay. And so, yeah, those is, you know, yes. that's, that's my. Yeah. So <laughs> Dope. I ended up getting over there, and that's, that's an interesting story, um, how I got there. Uh, I remember sitting at home. Carter had to be, what, three? Three or four. And I wasn't doing anything because I just moved out there. I was like, dude, I got to do something. I can't sit there. I was training a couple of kids, but I was like, all right, something's got to be solidified. Mm -hmm. So I go over to the school, get Carter dressed, drive over to King. Walk to the front office. How you doing? My name is Deshaun Bryant. You know, is basketball coach around. I want to talk to him about an opportunity to coach. Yeah, coach. Coach Sweeney is out on a blacktop. I'll walk you out there. Cool. Go out there. Meet him. He looks at me like this weird look. I'm like, oh, did I walk into the wrong school? And I got Carter in my hand, right? I'm just like, whatever. And he's like, I know you. I'm like, no, you don't. Like, I, I know you don't. He was like, you went to Long Beach State. I'm like, what? He was like, Tim Sweeney. And his dad, Tim Sweeney Sr., was there. This legend. They was like, how can we help you? I was like, just want to coach if you guys had an opportunity to coach. So they was like, you know, come back tomorrow. We have practice in the gym. And, you know, we'll have you work with some of the freshmen. So I was like, all right, cool, whatever. And then walk back, came the next day. He's there. Varsity's working out. I'm like, well, you told me to come back for the freshmen. He was like, yeah, they, we moved their time around. So I was like, all right. So he said, like, do me a favor. Put these guys through some drills. So I did it. And he was like, oh, no, no, you'll be with Varsity. <laughs> no, no, you're with us. So from that point on, it kind of just took off. And I just kind of just... Man, vibed. you walked up to a school and asked for a job? Yeah. With no phone call or nothing? No, no phone call. <laughs> so, That's just unheard of. Like the... Well, <laughs> like... With, with your son in your hand. Like, yeah, no, nah, <laughs> Let's man. go. It, it was like, no, nah, this had to be this had to be done. Yeah. At the time, I'm like, I'm sitting at home like... What's going on? Like I gotta yeah. figure this out. So I started working there, and of course, you know the years we had there, and that's where I got connected with um, with Clint Park. Yeah. And I, when I tell you that dude's passion is unmatched, mm. it's unmatched, and it's because he genuinely cares about people, yeah. not just the kids playing basketball, but people. So Clint can come off abrasive, which I love about him, but 
transparency is a thing. Like, he's transparent. Like, what do you want him to be? Yeah. Like, you want him to not be transparent? So he is. Um, so during that time at King, that's where the skill development really started kicking in for me, where I really started to get after God. Like, yo, no, this is wrong. Clint would come in like, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Footwork. We got to go back to fundamentals. We got to get this. All that. And we're not doing that. And we would have runs there. People didn't notice. Like, we had runs there where the who's who was in the gym. It was everybody in there. You can ask Sean Marshall. You can ask all those guys. They would come in there. They would hoop. And they'd be like, bro, this is crazy. How you get all these people in here? But we just opened up the gym. Right. We opened the gym. And that's because I got it from old school. Open up the gym. And let the kids, we weren't trying to get kids to transfer in. None of that. Just come just hoop. hoop. Yep. Just hoop. And that's when Carter would, he'd just be with me, watching, watching, yeah. watching. And then, like I said, as the years went on, we started the whole, like, we started doing the whole pregame workout. Like, we had games, and we had guys, groups, like, work out here. You know, you got this workout, this, and you didn't play this amount of minutes, and you got to work out. And Carter be on the sideline imitating the moves, imitating the moves. Wow. So when you were at King, who, who all did you coach? I know that, that this is like the, you know, I think we have to talk about this because you're seeing guys before they go pro, right? right? Which is part of your development as a trainer and right. a coach and how to develop kids. Mm-hmm. Um so, who was there at the time? You mentioned some of them, and what was your experience like seeing them at that level, and did you know that they had the potential to be where they're at now? So, I had Eric Wise, Chris Harrell, Taylor Cunningham, uh, J.J. Campbell, Jeremy Castleberry, who's now with Kawhi, with the Clippers. Uh, I got a funny story about him. Uh, Kawhi, Tony Snell. Um, uh, I, had a couple, I, had, I had a couple other guys. I'm I'm trying to think off top of my like off top of my head, but I, I had quite a few guys that were just like Man, these kids are good. Yeah. These kids are good, and they were a good team. Besides the talent, they were a good team. Right. And um, one of the things that I can tell you, like during that time, Kawhi didn't really understand it. At the time, he didn't understand like what he what he had. Clint helped him tremendously. Like, no, you're doing this. You're working out. Not saying that Kawhi didn't want to work out. Kawhi was just out there. You just see him do things like, dude, did he know what he just did? No, he has no clue. But like, you had a guy like Eric Wise who was a hoop head. Yeah. Right. Because his pops played at Long Beach State, and Eric, when I tell you he came to footwork, I would guard Eric sometimes. Like. Bro, you kind of giving me fits. I don't like it. But Eric would get mad when I run him off screens. He was like, that's not basketball. How is it not basketball? <laughs> so, but guys like Eric Wise, Eric was so good. I wish that early on he would have been more, I wish I would have got him earlier. You know, because he was so damn good. Like, I don't think people know how good he was. And he was almost a little bit ahead of his time because he was such a, that guy. Mm. He wasn't valued. But he'll go down and give you 30, 30 and 15. You'd be like, bro, he just hit me with 30, 50. Yes. And he'd be laughing the whole time. <laughs> Put you right on his hip and like, bucket. But guys like Kawhi, the one thing we kept telling him, play defense, rebound. Mm-hmm. But we had a scrimmage against Paris High School. That boy hit nine threes. He was like, I'm going to be a shooter. I said, Kawhi. <laughs> he decided that game. Go rebound. Go rebound. 
And there was a game we played, Corona Centennial. They beat us. Corona Centennial beat us that game. I think Mike Caffrey was a freshman. Ah, yeah. And they, they beat us at Corona. In a quarter, I think Kawhi had 14 and 8 in a quarter. In a quarter. And I was like, Chris Harry was out. He was hurt. He had hurt his hip. And I remember when they came back and we played him at King. Oh, 40. Like, four, we were like, it was relentless. It was like, nah, this not, we're not letting this happen. But, and then you had Tony Snell. Tony played the five boards. Yep. He hated it. So yeah. I worked with Tony as a pro for yeah. three years. And okay, so, there yeah, you go. So that was, yeah. That's why I was interested. Like, yeah. And I know him and Kawhi kind of played down low. They were the bigs yeah. for you guys, even though, you know, they're not now. So. Yeah. But no, it helped him. It yeah. helped him. Tony hated it. When I tell you, he was like, dude, you got me playing the five. And <laughs> the funny part about that, I won't name any names, but it was a couple college coaches that told those guys, like, they're not. They tried to offer two of our guys a half scholarship. I'm, you know, gotta, I'm not going to name the schools. Yeah, yeah. But they were like, no, nah, they're not good enough. Some school told Tony Snell, no, nah, he ain't playing past high school. Mm-hmm. Like, wait, what? We play modern day championship. Funny story. Miles Simon, good friend of mine. Miles goes, y'all ready to lose? I said, Miles, y'all not beating us. He was like, we about to smack you. They had to wear twins. I think uh, Gary Frank was on that team. That was a, they had a good team, and we beat them. Yep. Tony Snell had like fourteen. Kawhi had a crazy numbers. Like, and that's the game I felt like Tony Snell was like, "Oh, I'm here. I'm here." Click for him. It, it was starting to click. Kawhi kind of felt he was still just playing basketball, but Kawhi just kept working. Like people were like, has he always been quiet? Yes. Because he's just a worker. Yeah. Like, he only talks to people that he's cool with. He can read energy. He's not going to sit there and talk to people just to talk to them. You know, and he's just one of those guys that's like, he knows if you not locked in. He, he's not, he's not, he's not, that's not something he's just like, I'm a pro now, I'm locked in. No, that's been him. Right. He's been a kid. He's had his moments where he wasn't, but he's always been, I'm a worker. I'm a worker. Same thing with Tony. I'm yeah. a worker. I'm a worker. And so, during that time when Carter was seeing that, Carter would be in, we didn't have scout report, Carter would be sitting there reading the scout report. I'm like, what are you doing? You don't even know what you're reading. He's just in there reading it. <laughs> but he's seeing the process. Yeah. He's seeing behind the scenes. And, you know, at that time, everybody's looking at the behind the scenes, like it's on TV. Like, oh, you only get that special access. You get the behind the scenes. Carter's like, no. Yeah, I watch my dad get up, go work out these guys. Go through this. And, and I'm he's seeing, in the gym with you most of the time? Yeah, he's in the, I didn't force him. I never forced him. Like, it'd be times where I'd be like, oh, if you don't want to come, you have to come. Let him be a kid. Like, it'll, when you're ready for it, you'll be there. Yeah. Oh, he started some more, more, and more, and more, and more, and more. And the funny thing about him, we would give him a ball to shoot, but we would, you know, our parents would be like, oh, here's the big ball. Like, oh, don't, no. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yes. So it was like, shoot that first. Shoot that. And he would just go through his routine. He had a he had a little early routine. He would do it. Like, Dad, I want to do this. He I got pictures of him, he in the jersey and stuff. He all kind of stuff. He thought he was like, I'm playing. So for him, like to see that, and I we talked about that earlier, there's kids that don't see that part, mm-hmm. that don't go in the gym, and don't be around that. Yeah. He saw that. So he saw guys like Quiet Tony told 
Nah. Y'all ain't, gonna, y'all ain't good enough. Now you see where they are? Right. And it's like, oh. Like, so the naysayers, the experts, and there's no disrespect on anybody that does reports or anybody. They have their opinion. That's what they're supposed to do. They're giving their opinion. But, again, for me, what I believe in, if God has it for you, it's for you. Right. It ain't, can no man take that away. And Carter knows that. My daughters know that. My kids know that. So, like, you stay out of the comments. Yeah. Stay out of the comments, good or bad. Stay out of them. And if you just keep working like Carter saw them too, guess what? When it's time and it's time for you to get on stage, it's going to hit you. And everybody like, how did that happen? Because he, when you was... I can tell you now when, when it, I'm tell you now, I'll tell you a story about Carter in a second, but during that time in the high school at King, yeah, that was that was a good time because I learned a lot about myself. I mean, met good people. You know, you got Kawhi and some other people out in the IE I met, and it was just it was a, it was a good time. That's dope, man. So from King, so when you go from there, mm-hmm. what was your next stop for coaching? What was that the next part of your journey? I left King, and I wasn't. What year is this about? This is uh, early 2000s? Like, so I, it was like 2012. Okay. I was like, I ain't, I'm not, I'm done. Because I was like, I'm going to watch Carter. I was just going to somehow, some way, coach him. But I was like, "Eh, I don't know. Uh, But I was like, nah, he got his youth team. You know, he had Inland Force, Tony Walker, those guys. Unbelievable guys. But, you, he was doing this thing. So I was like, I'm going to go coach at Orange Hooter. So I went down to Orange Hooter. Coach there at Gabe York, Peyton Banks, uh, Darian um, Williams, and uh, all those guys. And after winning back-to-back at King, I went back-to-back Orange Hooter. So I it was like, well, but my, my thing was player development. And it wasn't just basketball. Like, that's the part, like, I was getting to know these kids. So I'm sitting back in practice, ain't saying nothing. I'm watching guys come in late. I'm watching some guys leave early. I'm watching who stays, who gets there early, all this stuff. And I call them out. And you know, you once you get to the private schools, hey, you got to, uh, I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no, I'm not. Yep. I, would get at, I would get at them privately. And I helped build up that program. And it was a, we were doing great. Program was great. Development was great. That taught me that administration side of it. Yeah. That was that was the part where I was like, oh, I see how stuff works behind doors. Because King, I was just on the court all the time. Here I'm on the court behind the closet. So how we organize practice. Yeah. How this is going. Right? How to talk to admin. Yeah. Having those meetings. Have you know, realizing like at times with your staff, you're not always gonna be on the same page. You know, but you realize, like, hey, we're doing this together. This is what concept work that doesn't work. Losing games you probably shouldn't have, but saying, all right, we got to get back to it. How do the players react? You start getting more into that, that the, the, the grit. And then you start figuring out why your players react in a certain way, right? And you start taking guys that don't know you. Like, people are like, I don't know if this kid going to be any good. And now they become something. You're like, that's development. You know, I had a kid, Kavon Scott. Nobody liked him. Six, seven. Jump out the gym. 
couldn't shoot, couldn't dribble, but you get around that rim, you're not scoring. He's blocking it with two hands. So I remember just I kept working with him, kept working with him. He ended up went going to uh, Loyola, not of Chicago, um, of Maryland. Okay, he went there, had a great career, and he's overseas now. So moments like that were good for me, right? And Lawrence Luther taught me a lot. Trinity League was, you know, different. Everyone was, oh, it's a different beast. It is, but when I tell you I picked up on so many, that's when I started picking up on tendencies, habits, coaches, even, like, body gestures. Like, mm. ooh, you in trouble. You nervous. <laughs> I knew the certain subs. Like, oh, he normally subs at this time. He ain't subbing. He's scared. So mm. I started picking up because I was assistant. I'm looking at the stuff. Yeah. Looking at the stuff. I'm going, oh, Oh, I see why you playing. He's on the backside of that zone. You're hiding him. Oh, okay. I see why you're doing this. Oh, you want us to shoot right there because that's why you got. Okay. You know he shoots 42% from there, so you're putting a longer defender there. All right, we're going to run this set and get him to this side. Now you got to go to man. And I know you don't want me in man. So it's. That would start happening. I was just like, oh, here we go. Was there somebody helping you, like mentor you through this? Or is this happening because you're in this environment and you're stepping up to the plate of the competitive I'm the, environment? I'm, when I tell you, I like, I have a problem with, like, watching all that little stuff. I'm kind of a, I'm, I'm really a jerk when it comes to seeing that stuff. Like, so you could tell what's wrong in this room right now? You've already spotted it? No, I'm talking oh, okay. about that. <laughs> so you no. see the details? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just like one of those people where I'm just like, oh. Uh, you just see it. I see it. I don't know why. I guess it's, I guess it's just something a gift. But I you're a, you're a true player developer, and oh, so I, yeah. man, I talk about this with coaches all the time because a lot of coaches put kids in a hole. Like they're a sophomore. Oh, they're never. That's who they are as a sophomore. And I'm like, you're crazy. Yeah, I would have showed you who I was as a sophomore compared mm. to when I was a senior. You would not recognize mm. me. And I've helped develop players who were sophomores who had nothing to be something. And this is probably one of my second biggest messages while doing this podcast is that if you put a belief in a kid and you give him the tools mm-hmm. and the resources to become something, mm-hmm. there's no telling where they can be. Mm-hmm. Stop putting them in the box. Mine's and good. your eyes see the potential of somebody, the potential mm-hmm. of something. You can, you know, you kind of just foresee those things. Uh-huh. And it's kind of how I am. Uh-huh. And it's like, it's okay that God didn't give you this gift because there's Correct. some certain things I'm not great with, right? Mm. There's just, you know, the X's and O's. Like, mm. I know them, mm. but I'm not going to sit here and draw up the perfect play because right. I'm more of a, just a hooper. Like, yeah. let's, let's read the game and play. Right. And so there's, you know, I have some strengths and weaknesses, but my strength is seeing potential uh-huh. and getting people to that potential. Right. And so I always want to make sure that the people who don't have this gift that we have to mm. see those things understand that, just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's impossible. Right. And so, I man, that's so big. I, I think you said, like, you're a, you're on the player. I, that's why I think it's different from a player developer and a skills trainer. Yeah. A skills trainer is going to show you footwork and basketball right. moves. A player developer is going to develop a kid emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, yeah. all yeah. the way around. And that's what, that's what we should be doing. Skills trainers are great yeah. when you're a kid. Yeah. When you get into this game and you want to, you know, get to a certain level, yeah. you have to have a player developer, somebody who's right. really guiding you and giving you the full package. So. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, that's big. Like I said, I mean, at Oris Luton, that's kind of my thing. Like, summers, I'm in the gym with them. And I get to tell you, summers, and all three of them in there, the gym, they just, 
they're just down there with a basketball, and I'm working out the kids on one side. They're doing their thing on the side. Dad, I'm hungry. I'm packing lunches, <laughs> peanut butter and jellies. I got a cooler full of stuff. Dad, I'm hungry. Like, it's stuff in there, you know, but taking the time out to say, hey, you okay? You hungry? No? You got to go to the bathroom? You know, things like that. But those those players also saying, like, this is a human being. Yeah. This ain't just our coach. This is a human being. And I didn't know what I was doing at the time by having my kids. I'm being a dad. Yep. Right? I'm just like, I got my kids. So they're just with me. And they're just happy to be around their dad. They're enjoying it. I got a picture of my of what Carson on a I'm coaching the game. She got the clipboard with the marker, like, she don't know what she's doing. <laughs> so, but you have inspiration, right? You have that inspiration. And so I think during that time was was like I said, the admin part, understanding. And yeah. then um, you know, I after Orange Lutheran I was just like, um, uh, I think I'm done coaching. Hmm. I think I was done. I was like, I'm done. And that's when Carter was hitting middle school. I was like, okay, it's about to happen. What's next? Yeah. And then um, I'm sitting at home, and guy I don't know knows a good friend of mine was like, hey, guy named Andre. Uh, he was coaching. Um, he was coaching. What is that? Uh, Real Run, Orange County. Andre was like, oh, the beach. Yeah. Oh, so, that's my guy. Yeah, so <laughs> Dre was like, he hit me. He goes, you don't know me, man, but I know you. Somebody said me you're a good guy, you're a good coach. And, uh, look, man, I got a connection over at Fountain Valley. I know the AD. I can get you over there. I'm like, what? I played I played over at, I didn't realize the time, but I played at Fountain Valley in the sense of, like, fast action league, like adult league or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, oh, like, like, Fountain Valley, I've heard that. So I look it up and do my research. I was like. Well, it's off four or five. It's kind of in a neutral area. Mm, big gym. Like, uh, ain't never been a head coach. Maybe it's my time. So, I was like, All right, I'll do the interview. I'll go do the interview. And come back. I didn't sit down for 30 seconds. They was like, you're a coach. And I was just like, oh, oh okay. Um, I did it not to get Carter to Fountain Valley. I had no type of like, hey, I'm... Carter, you're coming to Fountain Valley. It was right. never that. It was like, I've never been a head coach. Right. You I barely knew you were getting the job, kind of. <laughs> like, you were like, you, you didn't, you, I mean, I'm sure you had the confidence that you could get, yeah. but to sit down and like, oh, you're the coach. Yeah, they were like, yeah. I was like, okay, but. Shots out La Beach. <laughs> yeah, right. No, Dre, Dre hooked that up, man. I, you know, I thank him for it when I talked to him. We still talk. Um, and it's interesting because that time, I was like, do I, do I know what I'm doing? Am I ready for this? And I just embraced it. I was like, all right. When I tell you that place needed a makeover, it needed a makeover. It needed a makeover. And I was like, all right, here we go. First year, it was rough. My ego was bruised. I was like, man, you got a lot of work to do. I came in and was just like, all right. I had my staff, AJ Gaspora, uh, mm. TK. I had, a, I had my coaches with me. And I was like, all right, here we go. We're going to do this. Let's get this done. We go that first year. Dude, um, team was decent. Lost some game. Our first game we played against uh, Brandon Williams. Uh, Crespi. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Like, he went nuts on us. And I was just like, good. Right? And I'm thinking, like, good. So, we built that program up. 
Um, and then the second year, it was kind of like we were actually worse the second year. Yeah, because I think what it was is that these kids didn't believe they were supposed to be winning. Because mm. it was just like... That's are used to losing? Not losing. They just was doing it for fun, for resume builders. Ah. And some of the kids wanted to win, but it's hard when you don't have seven that's into it and the other seven are like, uh, I'm here, I'm here. I think we played. I was, I was coaching at Heritage at the time, I think. I think we played you guys. You may be. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. Around this time. Yeah. So... We, that second year, I was just kind of like, man, here we go. And that third year, that third year, I had a kid, Jeremiah Davis, who's died at Felicia College, doing an unbelievable uh, job over there. Roddy Anderson, who's at Boise State. Mm-hmm. Had a kid named Preston Amarillo. Aiden uh, Saris. I had a lot of different kids. And um, that group was really good. That's when... We decided we're done. We said, I'm going, I was like, I'm going five out. My brother at the time was coaching for the um, Brooklyn. That's when they had D-Lo and they was running five out. And he was like, check this out. So I started looking at the concepts. And I'll tell you, we was. Once again, uh-huh. for my young viewers who don't know, uh-huh. who is your brother? Trayvon Trey Bryant. Trayvon Trey Bryant. Bryant, who is yeah. now a coach. Yeah, he's coaching. He's uh, Cal. Uh, he's with the women's team, Cal. He okay. was in the NBA for seven, eight years. Um, a lot of different teams. He had he was with Toronto, Detroit, OKC, um, Brooklyn. Um, I want to say he was with he was with Detroit as well. Yeah. So, um, so I was watching. Yeah. He was like he would send me stuff. Look at this. So we run run the stuff, run a five up. People was like, "What are y'all doing?" They was like, "You just got five guys out." Yeah, but we had we would post our guards. Mm. And everybody was like, "Wait a minute!" And so we started doing that. And we would get any shots we want. So now we was like, all right, we got to get our guys in the gym. Like I said, that third year, when we really got after it, we took that team and we went the furthest we ever been. Like, we were beating people. People was like, yo, yeah. what was going on? Because we had guys that wanted to defend. If you don't defend, you can't play for me. I don't care who you are. you got to defend. And then that next year, we had another run. Right, and that Fountain Valley, that group, even though I wanted to win it so bad with that group, it showed me that no, Deshaun, this is what you're supposed to be doing. This is you. And then when it came time for Carter to come through, um, that was like that was a battle in itself because at the time his mom was like, ah, I'm not sure, da 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 da. You know, they live out in you know Riverside. He can just go to Corona. It's too far of a drive. This, 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 and this. And then Carter finally said, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to play with my dad. Unfortunately, Carter's first year had broke his leg. Didn't play. Um, and so that second year he played, it was kind of like reintroducing his body back to everything. And then that third, that, that going into that summer after that second year, he just was like, he went to a different space, and he still hasn't even gotten close, but it's like, yeah. what is happening? But that Fountain Valley, that time, showed me, it was like, this is how, this is what you have to do to be a leader. You have to, you know, hold everybody accountable. You have to do these things. When you things. say everybody, yeah, who do you, who's included in everybody? Admin, I, everybody. Admin, your coaching yeah. staff, the everybody. players, the parents. Right. 
we were having meetings. We would have a college night. Like, even though kids, I know kids, you're not going to play at the next level. But it was all inclusive in the sense of I would have the counselors print out transcripts. If your kid wants to play, this is what they have to do. Yes. So we had all this stuff going on. We included the parents. Even the parents didn't feel like their kids are going to play at the next level. It's not about that. You have to understand, you didn't, if you don't feel like this is important, I don't need you here. You know why? Because you're going to get out there and you're going to run a company. And what are you going to do? You're going to be like, oh, this is important to me. You know what's going to happen? You're going to get people that's going to not think of it. Can you motivate those people? Can you get them to buy in? And that was my thing, head of the school. And I'm telling you, my coaches staff at that time, oh, man, we used to get into it. Not like cussing this out, but we got into it because it was like, that was a dumb call. Like, why would you make that call? Why would you do that? Why would you do this? Why would you do that? But that was all part of it. Like, a lot of people don't, they want to be in that front seat because they want them to stand up with their arms folded, pointing out the structure. But those meetings were, like, intense. Positive conflict. It was like, yeah. It was like, it was like, and it was times where it was like, don't come to practice then. You got that too? Don't come to practice. Yeah. And it was like, oh, you had to check yourself during the games. Bass up. I look at my, like, well, why did you sign him in? And be like, that's my fault. And we had that accountability. So the players saw it. Yeah. Parents saw it. Like, okay, we in a different program. Total buy-in. What was it like coaching Carter? Well, have you, had you ever coached him to this point? No. That was the deal. Like, when he was young, I was like, I'm not coaching you. Because I, I wanted him to just play. True story. His mom would get mad when I wouldn't come to tournaments. Hmm. I wouldn't go watch him play. I'd be right around the corner. Wouldn't go. <laughs> and why didn't you go? I'm like, because he needs to learn how to do this on his own. When he gets older, I'm not rich. You're not rich. So if you got to be somewhere, I got to be somewhere, he's got to dig into himself and get this done. If you don't show this to him now, he's going to be always looking around the corner. Where's mom and dad? Where's mom and dad? Mm-hmm. Like, no, this is you. It's you versus you. Ain't nobody else. This ain't you versus the other kid on the other. You versus you. You can't compete with you. You ain't going to be able to compete with that dude on the other side of the, on the other team. So, And you explained that to Carter before, when you weren't going, right? Yeah. So it wasn't just like. No, it wasn't. No. But there yeah. was sometimes where I didn't. I didn't. Like, I'm like, another true story. We we taught him early. Like, you're not. Like, he would get ready to go for. We get ready to leave for games in the morning. He wouldn't have all the stuff. And I'd be like, hey, man, what are you doing? Oh, I don't know. Get your stuff together. One time he left his jersey. I'm like, oh, you ain't playing. I got him a T-shirt, run a number on the back. I hope you guys are white today. <laughs> right? And he's just like, what? And that point on, he's a kid. Backpack. Mm-hmm. He got all this stuff. He got extra socks. He got it all. It's just it, took, one, took one time. And he was like, I ain't, one no, I'm not doing that. He don't like that. That's the one thing he don't like. He don't like not having being prepared. And there's times when you're going to be unprepared. But he's right. very, he's like, I, I got it. I, I figured it out quick. So, you know, that was him. He was like, It'd be times like, Dad, I need water. And I'd be like, see that silver thing? I promise you, for some weird reason, you push that button, water comes out. It's cold. <laughs> I don't know why it does that. But, you know, you might want to go over there and check it out. You know, he just gives me this look. He still gives me the look. Inside. He'll just turn his head and look at me. I'm like, but, yeah, but, no, nah, man, like, coaching Carter, it's funny. Like, two weeks ago, I told him, I said, you don't realize it, but you've taught me a lot about myself. Like, coaching, coaching him. Like last year, 
it was intense for him because again he was at Sage Hill and he was like he had the lead. Like, bro, this yeah, I know this ain't ideal basketball wise, but I took this job for totally different reasons. And he was going through the when I say he was going through the grinder, like academically, he was being challenged in every way. Mm-hmm. And he was he would come out of class. It looked like he had played a full game because he just got this look like, wow, what is going on? But I he needed to go through that, right? And his mom would be like, you know, I don't like this, and I'm just like, I'm like, hey, look, this is part of it. But you saw them numbers go crazy. You got to figure this out. There's different things like kids think you just put the ball in the basket, you being a leader. No. So, now, you got to be in the first one in class. You got to be first one in the gym. Weights. You got to do all that stuff. When you walk around campus, you got to, even though you don't feel like it, say hi to people. People can't miss you. You 6'8". You're in a small school. It's only 500 kids, 550 kids. People know who you are. It's not too many people that look like you. Mm-hmm. What do you think your life is going to be like when you get to the top? You're going to be the only one that looks like you in the room sometimes. You're going to have to learn how to handle yourself. You're going to be uncomfortable. This is growth for you. And I remember when he came back, he played. That Damien, we didn't win one game. We didn't win one game, Damien. And he was just like, man, I said, you got to lead. We got the lead. Won a couple games. Then we played Long Beach Poly. They popped us. I said, we told him, stop trying to be Jason Tatum and be dominant in the paint. The game will always be inside and out. So that's what he started doing. And then it just kind of took off from there. So coaching him, it was a lot of like, nope, not doing that. Not doing that. His junior his junior year shooting threes, oh, he was shooting like 17%. Man. He was shooting bad. Like, keep shooting them because you think you're, for some reason, you think you're Ray Allen out there. <laughs> So it was a lot of like he had to chance to go through those lessons, yeah, hard, hard lessons. He had to impact winning. You have to impact winning. Yeah, like we ain't talking about basketball and life impact winning. When you become a father, impact winning. What is your attitude when you go home to your mom and sisters? What is your impact when you come around me? What is your impact when you're around your teammates? Impact when you come around people? Are you impacting winning? Even when you don't feel like you ain't got all like. If all you got in your tank is 45%, give yourself all 45%. Don't give yourself 30% of that 45%. And so that was a leadership time. That was him for him to be like, I don't, I, 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 we got to go. We got to rock. Let's get this done. Yeah. He couldn't take a playoff. He did. It was like, damn, we down by eight. Yes. No. Get to it. Man. So he impacts winning now. Like, And that's the thing about him. People are like, oh, he got to average 30. Why? Why did he have to average 30? Got to win. So if he has 14 and he has 18 rebounds, four blocks, four steals, he started with Kawhi. And we played modern day. I think Kawhi had 10 to 12 points. He had 22 rebounds, something like that. Hmm. Impact winning. Scoring is not once I once you're in a certain system, like I put him in positions to score all the time. But it was a matter of him reading the game. Impact and winning, getting guys in certain positions, 
realizing you when you cut through and you do this, what how the defense reacts, telling the leadership after you win, getting your guys together, tell them all, hey, good job, good job, high five the guys when they come out. You're mad, go go off in the locker room, but love them harder. Dap them up when they come out. Good job, good job, good job, good job, good job. Growth, 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 growth. Not everybody yeah. knows basketball like you. This is not their entire life. And that was the point of being being that state. You needed to see the other side of the world. So many kids don't look at it like this. Mm-hmm. You being here brings two worlds together that they have never seen. And it's the world you ain't seen the world they ain't seen. So who grew? Both of you. So that was important to him being there. And I think he learned that. So I'm like coaching him. It wasn't even basketball. Man. It wasn't even basketball. It was just like watching him grow as a human being. There you go. There you go. And to this day, he's still he's still good with all them kids. Like he he comes around to school every once in a while and they're like, you know, but that's what that was for. That was that's what that was for. And life is always nice. Like you never know. It's always about adjustments. You never know you're gonna be what you gotta do. And like during that time, he just he's gonna keep growing. He's gonna keep growing. And like I told you earlier, stay out of the comments, good or bad. Keep doing what you do, and people gonna say this, people gonna say that. Like, yeah, I mean, that's what it is. So yeah, I mean, Man. like coaching him is just is it's fun. Like <laughs> it, 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 it's fun because like I said, it teaches me a lot about myself, like how to react to stuff. Not hey, relax. He's at the time was like he's sixteen. Everything stop. What were you doing at 16 and 17? All right, stop. Breathe for a second. That was one of our things. When we come to huddles for the whole team, I would just write breathe on the board. That was it. Breathe. Hmm. So I need you to breathe. Before I write up anything. The player's on the backside, but I need you guys to breathe. And that was it. And that's me and him. It's like, like breathe. Before you get, slow down. Yeah. So, so yeah. Yep. Amazing. And so as a coach, as a father, mm-hmm. um, and being around the game, as long as you have and impacting it as long as you have, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a, a big thing, right? For, uh, and I'm not, I want to, I don't want to talk about Carter necessarily, but it's a, it's around, it's based around him is that, you know, the, the decision to send him to a school Corona Centennial where is highly competitive mm-hmm. and he's going to face different challenges and competition mm-hmm. level. You know, what was, what's the mindset of making that decision as a parent? Well, the, the thing was, like, for him, it was like, all right, is this what I need? Is this what I need? And I told him to sit with it. It wasn't, like, to be completely transparent. It wasn't something I was in agreement with at all. Um, and this is one of those things where it's like, you don't really want to talk about it, but you have to talk about it. I wasn't with, I'm wasn't happy with it at all. But like I said before, I had to I had to pray on it and say, all right, what is the purpose of this? If this is all part of the plan to get him to where he's supposed to be, then so be it. And as a dad, I had to swallow my pride. I know it was some people that were in my circle that were not happy at all. Mm. Um, and there was, you know. I remember a certain um, a certain guru reaching out and asked me, was it true? And I told that certain person, I said, yes, it's true. And I asked that person, when you put it out, take the comments off. Because I knew what was coming next. Yeah. And that was me just saying as a father, like, 
Like, look, you do what you got to do. But at the end of the day, like, this is, like, I, I'm still, I'm your dad. That's what I talked about earlier. I'm your yeah. dad still. Just ask, yeah. I'm your dad still. So if I have an opportunity to do certain things, like, all right, you know, it was tough. At the day, you know, I know people were looking around like, why did he leave? Was it this? Was it that? They're not going to be good. Like, uh, did him and his dad get along anymore? I, uh, all that stuff. All that. Like, when I tell you there are certain things that were said, it was just like, what? <laughs> and you don't, you don't say anything. And people are like, why don't you tell your side of the story? Because I'm a firm believer in, like, over time, it'll reveal itself. Right. That ain't, that's not my job. My job is to live and, and do what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to, like, me acting a certain way is showing you guys that it's giving God glory. Like, I'm not going to be, like, out there nasty with people. I was upset. Like, my closest friend, they tell you, I was going off. I was not answering my phone. I was just mad. And I just be like, man, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is this you? Is your ego talking? Like, you got to settle down. Right. And that whole decision, him going there, uh, you know, him being there was for different reasons. And I went with it. And like I said, I wasn't happy with it, but that's what was needed on this journey. That's what was needed on this journey. Yeah. So, and that's where I kind of just sit with it. I know for them this year, they're not having the season that they want so far. But again, growth. Again, maybe yeah. this is something down the road that you're being tested because this is maybe in in a year or two, you might be the mm-hmm. you might be a cornerstone of an NBA team. You know, you get to college, it, it, it may be this. Yeah. It's gonna be a tough time, and you have went through this, and it, you, you know your team can be doing well. You can hit a losing streak, and then all of a sudden, that leadership role kicks in, and you're like. Oh, I've been through this before. We got to do this. We got to in your college team. And now you get your guys going. You go out and win the national championship. You go off to, you know, hopefully NBA. And that propels you. I don't know what this is for. But I'm not going to sit here and just allow you or myself to be so, like, caught up in, like, what could have been. Like, oh, we could have did this and we could have did that. If you don't think I'll think about that, of course I do. I'm a human being. But everything happens for a reason. What I respect about you so much is you're a father first in every single one of these situations. Just sitting down here with you and getting to know you more is like you're a father first every single time, man. And that's that's always the goal. And um, man, just just respect for that and um, the adversity that you allow him to go through, Mm -hmm. whether it's his decision, your decision, Mm -hmm. whose ever decision um, is going to build him up so much. Like we we all know that, right? That that adversity because most some of these kids get. You know, they get a free ride all the way to the top, but when they face adversity at that level, they don't know how to handle it, mm-hmm. and he's going to know how to handle it. He's going to know that when he doesn't have a water bottle, that he can go to the water fountain. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I think that's yeah. super important. Like, just yeah. that right there yeah. just creates so much character, man. So mm-hmm. I applaud you, man, on... Appreciate that. Hey, just always putting that fatherhood first. And yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, again, be transparent with you, like, you know, the other side, his mom, you know, she does a great job with, with him and the girls just making sure they're as even kill as possible. Um, you know, we both worked together in this process. I mean, during that recruiting process, it was it was a lot of just going back and forth, making sure, asking him, are you okay, you're good? How's everything going? How do you feel about this whole process? And, you know, even though he, you know, you know, he's with her majority of the time, and, you know, they're with, 
you know, we, me, her and I go back, we go back and forth. It ain't always like the most happiest times, but at the end of the day, we get to a point where like, who is this for? Yeah. Right. It's not for us. It's not our ego. Let's check our egos and make sure they're doing what they're supposed to do. And they got our own space. But that time with Carter and his recruiting time was him really filling out these coaches, like what he wanted. Everybody was like, oh, we already knew he wanted to go to Arizona. That's not true. That's not, that, that's not true. But we let people put themselves in a the box. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. That's what that, but that, you eliminate yourself. That's what you did. <laughs> right. Like Carter's not the kid that's going to be like calling you all the time. Hey, coach, he's going to be Carter. He has to work. So if he doesn't answer your call, it does not he want to talk to you. But when you stop calling him, oh, okay, so you, you're just, you want to be on the phone with me all day. Well, man, I, I got school. I got my, you know, I got my family. I got, I got this. I got time to myself. Yeah. I'm, I'm always in the gym. Like, would you rather for me to be on the phone with you or in the gym? And that was him. So a lot of schools eliminated themselves by doing that. You know, and it's like, no disrespect to them, but Carter wasn't enamored with trips. He wasn't worried about going on these crazy trips. Like, he wasn't worried about putting on a uniform and, like, take pictures. He wasn't worried about that. He was looking at you as a person. He was watching. And I was, and I would tell coaches, like, he's watching you as a person. He's not watching you as a basketball coach, as a person. Right. And now that's important. Like, some of you guys don't even realize we were at your games before Carter became a big thing. We were sitting at games. We get tickets and watch. We watch you as a person. We watch how you treated your assistant coaches. We watch how you treated the, the table guy. We watched it all. Yep. Because we don't want you to pick up on us. Now, can Carter be around a perfect human being? No. We know everybody has their flaws. But there are certain characteristics. We were like, nah, we're good. Ain't rocking with that. Uh, we're not good. Not and it was the subtlest things. Subtlest things. It's like we're sitting in a room and we're if we're having and you're having he's watching you have a conversation with somebody and you got your phone, you Yep, yep. And the person right in front of you, I'm good. That's what he was picking on. Yeah. Love it. Because you're not even invested in me. You're invested in a phone. He was watching how many people was coming in on visits. Like he had friends going on visits. Man, it's like eight dudes here. No, man, they just they just they just <laughs> numbers game. <laughs> man, I'm not right? Yeah. And it's like, I'm not we're not doing that. And him his mom and I, we would talk about that stuff. Like basketball is basketball. But we're talking about the character. Yeah. Like your talent can get you someplace, but your character is going to keep you there. So for you, who fits you? Like people think Carter's a nice kid, great kid. But let me tell you something. Between them lines, he's a jerk. Like he is not a fun guy to be around because he's, he knows the work he's put in. He's not, and it rubs people the wrong way. And people would think like, Man, this dude, 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 he's like, dude, I put in the work. Like, I, I put in the work. And he's always around. He's always around. And Carter has some incredible stories I didn't even know around. Carter's, Carter's had conversations with Tracy McGrady, with, with Kobe Bryant, that I didn't even know he had. He has a good report with Jamal Crawford. So he's talking to guys that we talk about that mentorship. Yeah. And it's a funny story with him with Jamal Crawford. He was at the All-American camp. And... The uh, the one that uh, the EBC one. Okay. And so Jamal's there, and Jamal's like sitting at the table right there, and me and Carter are talking. He's talking to me, and Carter's like, "Dad, how do I get? Is there a reason to be playing ones? And like, how do we?" And I said, "I wasn't really a one-on-one guy." I said, "That dude was." <laughs> and he turns and looks, and I said, "You should ask him." I get up and walk away. I turn around. He's talking to Jamal, 
And ever since then, they've hit it off. They've had this great conversation. But that's what it is. Like, as a father, you're sitting there like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, oh, resource right there. Carter's had a conversation with Kevin Gardner. I have a picture of that. He's Paul George, Monty Williams. He's talked to some great people along that path, along his path. He, you know, he's going to have a chance to talk to Grant Hill. So he's going to have a chance to talk to so many different people. And he's having these conversations. When he goes to that, he went to that camp at Nike. He's talking to all the coaches. He went to top 100. And he was like, I heard there's a breakfast club. Like, mm-hmm. he was like, he was up at like 5.30 going like, bro, I thought we were working out. Like, he's like looking around for opportunities like, oh, I'm, I want to be the first one in there. He had opportunity last spring. A good friend of mine uh, got him a connection. We got up to, um, to what's the name? Uh, Nike Summit thing. Yeah, okay. yeah. So he was on the Road City Generals. True story. So we're there the first night we're there. And the girls' USA team was playing. And we get there early to the facility. And he was like, it's like two hours before. He's like, Dad, we got to get over there. I'm like, like, what? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, I know my son's like, all right, let's get over. He goes through his band workouts. He's getting warm. He's doing all this stuff. He's going through it. He's going through it. He's going through it. And I go sit down. I'm like, I'm going to go sit down. Like, this is, this is your time. And he's like, oh, I'm like, what? He was like, let's go do the warm-up. I'm like, I'm like, I'm looking around, like, ain't no coaches in here. Like, like, hey, these dudes ain't here yet? And he's like, dad, just come on. So go through the workout, put this dude's routine. Next thing you know, I'm on the court. I'm in a full-blown sweat. He in a full-blown sweat. You know how you can be so locked in and you don't realize who's around you? Mm-hmm. And so we're locked in. I'm not. I'm like not paying attention. He goes and he takes, you know, his footwork stuff. Boom, 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 I look up and like you come out of that daze. The the whole side of that. I don't know if you ever been in the Portland uh, Trailblazers practice facility. Mm-hmm. Like one time, it's like everybody's in there sitting there. Like the who's who. And I'm like, oh, and he's going through the routine. He's the only kid on the floor at the time. And I'm not thinking about it. Cause mm. I'm just like, we just being us, man. You just being, yep. You but being then you that. turn around, look, you got that moment. You like, oh. But it's Carter being Carter. And then the second day, we get to the gym. Afterwards, afterwards, he stays an hour and a half to work out. And these people are like, what is this kid doing? He's just working. He ran. He was running a sprint, doing all this stuff. He's not doing it for. That's him. That's him. Like when he was at Sage Hill, he would get in trouble. He was like, I'll, 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 I'll be fine with mom. Like, I want to stay and shoot. I want to stay and do this. I want to stay and do this. He was lifting during the year. Like, you know, some kids are like, I ain't. Him. He's lifting. Yeah. He's like, everybody's like, oh, I'm like, no, he's lifting. Like, the last month of the season last year, I think he put on like two or three pounds of muscles with our, our, our strength and conditioning guy, Elijah. And, and he's like three pounds of muscle lost, certain amount of body fat, and everybody's like, that was a difference. He was lifting. He was like he was lifting, going through his stuff, doing his stuff. So he was just constantly getting after it, constantly getting yeah. after it. And then the summer it just started to happen because, you know, he's working with Olin. Yeah. And Olin's phenomenal. I've been knowing Olin since I've been knowing Olin since I've been 13, 14 years old. We played against each other. 
So it just comes around full circle. You do right by people. You know, good people start getting added back into your life, and it comes around to your kids. So, yeah. you know, that's... Shout out to Olin. Olin, yeah. we're waiting for you, sir. Olin was supposed <laughs> to be my first guest on this show, and he is a busy man. Oh, he always Shout did. out to him. Yeah. I love him to death, but we're yeah. sending you this video today, actually. Get your butt on this show. Yeah. But, uh, man, that's... Yeah. That's that's a very uh, Kobe-like story. Really? That's very Kobe, yes. Listen, we, on this show, we've yeah. been blessed with a bunch of people who've encountered Kobe. Yeah. But you just told me about Carter's very uh, Kobe, Kobe-like story. That's funny because, <laughs> that's, no, it's funny no. because, like, when he was at Sage Hill, and I don't know if you know about the girls team, the girls team is really good. Yeah. And uh, so, Kerwin Walters, who's the head girls coach, he told Carter, he said, man, I just wish Kobe was alive. YouTube, uh, like, you guys would have never left the gym. Like, Carter's a worker. Like, he's yeah. just, he's always been that. And I know people would think, like, oh, you know, he's just trying to make it seem like his son is like, no, like, Carter's really, like, one of them kids is like, dude. I've heard that about him forever from uh, everybody. So, uh, no, that's, like, th- come, he, he has that. Like, come home, dude. Like, you got to come home. Get off your feet. No, I got to get these shots up. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got, like, I'm like, dude, come home. Like, no, Carter, get off your feet. No. Like, he's out of town. When he goes out of town, he's, I'm calling people to get gyms. Cause he's like, I gotta get my work in before. Like that's him. That that's him. How did so? And I think there's an overarching thing about fatherhood, and you know, you have you have other kid children coming up who are playing sports as well. Mm-hmm. What what instills that into them? You know, to to work hard, to be a parent of a student athlete, for them to reach their full potential. If there were three things you could tell a parent, what would you tell them? I'll tell you one thing. It's your examples that you leave them with, the breadcrumbs you leave, like what you do on a day-to-day basis. Kids are not stupid. (laughs) They're watching your daily habits. They watch what you do. They know who you're on the phone with. When they they know what you do when you're not around, they can check. They know your energy. So that's what they're looking at. That's where the work ethic comes in. It it ain't it ain't got nothing to do with like watching an inspirational video from Kobe, from Mike, from nobody. No, 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 no. I'm watching mom, dad, grandma, uncle. They pushing themselves to be the best version of them. And if the kids can see that, they're going to push themselves. Because it's a legacy they got to leave. And I think part of the issue is that, and it's nothing wrong with accolades. I don't want people to think like, oh, you know, he don't like accolades. Nothing wrong with wanting to get MVP, be Mr. Basketball. Nothing wrong with that stuff. But I heard this. I think I want to say, I'm sorry if I'm misquoting this, but I, I, I heard it from Inky Johnson. And he said something to the effect of, stop attaching yourself. Attach yourself to the process and not the end game. If you're attaching yourself to that, to this MVP trophy, you're going to stop. Yeah. If you go through that process and you're attaching to everything that it entails, some of those things going to be, you're going to collect those things along the way. But if people don't know what that is, and, I, and I've told all my kids that. You ain't got to tell people what your, what your drive is. Like, you don't. It, ch- it, can, it can change. Things happen. You, your drive is different. What you want, what you think you believe you deserve, like, everything you're doing is for God's glory. That's the secret. There it is right there. That's God's, it's for God's glory. So if you're doing it for him, he's going to keep adding to you. So at that point, that's yours. Whatever he has for you is for you. Can't nobody else get that. So when you don't have to... 
when you don't listen to the naysayers, you don't listen to the guys that tell you everything you want to hear because you listen to God's word, his glory. He, what he's giving you is everything. Yeah. So you can sit back on that and be like, the word is the word. Like, that's going to be there. These trophies going to disappear. These record books going to disappear. Yeah, but all that other stuff, that's, that's cool. But God has what I'm supposed to have. If that means I'm supposed to be a Hall of Famer, I'm going to be a Hall of Famer. When I get on that stage, I'm giving God his just due. That's it. And like for for like I said, for those 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 parents, you showing them that, that's it. That's all you gotta do. The work ethic is it's they watching you. Yeah. You get up every day, go to work. It's a hot plate on that on it. You provide somehow, some way. But they're watching everything you do, your habits. When you think they're not looking, when you think you're getting away with something, they see it. So when they do stuff on the court, you be like, oh, you think nobody saw that? Hmm. You did it, Mom. You did it, Dad. You did it, Grandpa. I watched you do it. I watched you do it, Grandma, Uncle. I see you trying to be slick. So we all, we ain't, we not perfect. And that's where the transparency come in. You know what, son? I did make a mistake by doing that. I apologize for showing you that. But that's not what we should be doing. Yep. And I think that's so important for parents. I think parents, again, we were raised in a generation where like, no, oh, don't worry about what I do. Stay out of my business. Stay yep. out of that. Yeah, you're not supposed to be in my business, but at the same time, when you putting your business out there and they can see it, man, what you think they're gonna say? Yeah, and it goes both ways, right? You're right there on Front Street as a parent, so you have to be a certain way. You have to act a certain way. That's where they get their work ethic from. They watch you get up and go get it done, and they watch you do it with integrity, high character, and discipline. That's what it. That's where that drive comes from. But like I said, you watch a 15 minute, you watch a 30 minute video, you watch. One of these movies on the wall, like, I'm inspired. 30 minutes later, where is it? It's gone. The high is gone. What is it now? So, but again, don't attach yourself to anything that can just kind of disappear. Don't, don't, don't do that. Like, you just attach yourself to the process. It's going to touch you. It's going to beat you up. I just recently made a post to my daughter about that, about that whole thing. Like, it's going to beat you up. The more you achieve... People gonna be like, oh, they're gonna knock you down. You're gonna be, they're not gonna give you the ball. It's gonna be different things that's gonna happen. Don't pass her the ball. I'm not saying that's happening, but don't pass her the ball. Coach may take, you may be hit 10 straight. Coach may take you, why are you taking me out? It's gonna be a lot of stuff that come along with this journey. Like, it's gonna pop you. It's gonna be like, hey, dude, let's see. <laughs> let's see if you really want it. Right. And it's gonna be some things you put yourself in a predicament because you hard headed. And you got to be like, all right, I got to hold myself accountable and bounce back. So I think that work ethic for for CB and for Sydney and all my kids, it's just them watching us, you know, watching myself, watching their mom, watching, you know, my brother, watching their aunts and uncles, and like just watching their family just get after it and realizing, like, ain't nobody sitting around waiting for y'all to make it. Right. We ain't, we're not doing that. We got a life to live. So you realize how life can you just keep going forward you just got to keep working so that's how it is love it man yep man we're gonna hop into our next segment that was amazing uh hop into our next se segment uh it's called my rushmore your top four i want your top four nba dunks of all time Ooh. yeah top four nba dunks all time and not dunk contest dunks in Game dunks. I'm old, man. You gonna you gonna have me you gonna have me bringing <laughs> out some dunks. 
You know what? Recently, uh, Anthony Edwards on, on baseline went, ooh, that was tough. That was, that was so nasty. That was such a grown man, Doug. Like, man, like. He's just so <laughs> dismissive with it. Like, just like, you're not even here, dude. I'm not even worried about you. Yes. No, so, I, was, I would say that's one of okay. them. Uh, Sean Kemp, oh, his dunk on oh, Alton Lister. That was so nasty. <laughs> With the points? Like, his uh, dunk, he got so many dunks. You just like, man, that's not real. Yeah. That's not real. That's two. Uh, uh, Braun had one. When it was, I think it was, was it Nurkic when we get Portland? When he went and he just cocked uh, it back? Yeah. I said, what in the world just happened? And everybody was like, nah, that's, I was like. It was when he was a little older, too. <laughs> bro, I said, no way that just happened. Um, I'm gonna say that was one of them, and then, and then beans on Dwight Howard when he split. I was like, "Welcome to the NBA, Dunk." <laughs> yeah, like, dog. I was like, man, I, it's so many more, but those ones have just like don't stick out in my brain. I'm just like, oh, that's nasty. Yeah, that's nasty. No, that's that's an amazing four. I'm gonna go. I have to go with Vince playing Indiana. He did oh a. That 360 reverse yeah, in game, oh. like, because yeah. people were there. Like, it was like one of those, like, what are you, what? What is that? Yeah, so yeah. Vince Carter, one of my favorite, he's my favorite player of all time. Uh-huh. Um, nasty. Um, uh, DeAndre Jordan on Brandon Knight, Ooh. the RIP dunk. Uh, oh my God, bro. <laughs> it like, it hurts you. When he does, it's like, ooh. What was he and, thinking on that backside rotation, I, bro? I, I guess he was trying to be a good defender. Like, nah, bro. I have to go up. No, yeah. You I would got benched for that one. <laughs> right. You're supposed to rotate over. I would have looked at Coach You like, know, I love Brandon Knight. He's he's an amazing person, mm-hmm. basketball player. I had a pleasure of meeting him mm-hmm. uh, at this D-Wade thing. But, man, he's made some decisions in basketball, going to basketball court. Like, bro, what are you? What happened? But, yeah, yeah. hey, that was one of the worst. Uh, that DeAndre Jordan dunk. Um Blake Griffin on Pau Gasol twice in the same game. Was it that one? Or, I always say the one he opened up, he, he, he spun. Oh, that one was nasty, too. That was nasty, too. I, I like the one on Pau Gasol because it was like the first dunk where he, like, threw it in the rim. He mm-hmm. was so high up, threw it in the rim. Uh-huh. And Pau Gasol, you know, he's, uh, you know, sometimes made a candy and he just broke. Like, yeah, yeah. Fell on the ground. Great dunk. And last... Might be John Starks on the Bulls, man. Really? I, I just—it's because was MJ was in it. That's why. Yes, it was in, in the like the the moment, right? The moment That's of facts. it, and it was just like, "Yo, who are you, and why did you just do that?" To yeah, him? right. But right. That's one that just sticks out in my mind. Right. Um, and then I have a, a runner up because it wasn't in the NBA when Vince Carter jumped over old boy. Oh yeah, that yeah. Was, that, that was that was nasty. Those four dunks, man. Yeah. And now this is the uh, time in the interview we flip the script. Mm. You become the interviewer, I'm the interviewee. So two uh. questions for me about anything. Basketball, life, whatever you want. Two questions for me. What inspired you to start CORE? Two, second question is, if it all ended today, what would you do? Ooh, amazing questions. Okay. Core, what inspired me to start Core was, it's twofold. Uh-huh. Um, one, I had a, probably two years before Core started, two or three years, I fasted for 21 days, uh-huh. was in deep 
meditation and devotion mm -hmm. with God. And um, I have this journal and I wrote all these things out. Um, it said Warriors is what it was called at the time. It said mm -hmm. Warriors, uh, training, community service, all the things that core is today, everything that we do was written on that page. I had no idea what it was for. Fast forward a few years later, um, I was training Johnny Juzang at the time mm -hmm. when he was in eighth grade. Mm -hmm. And his dad was like, hey, I want him to homeschool so we could train more. And I'm like, I could do it. I'm not doing nothing during the day. I was training. Mm -hmm. And um, I put this whole program together of, hey, this is the this is the school we're going to use. It's accredited and mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm going to homeschool him. This is the training. This is all the life skills we're going to do. And he's like, this is amazing. I'm going to get other people um, who are interested. Eight people signed up. Mm. And that was it. We started as like a homeschool program. And then that next year, I recognized that that wasn't the model for their social development. Like mm -hmm. talking about the holistic mm -hmm. development of somebody. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was coaching at Heritage Christian as an assistant. They mm -hmm. had a program where you can have kind of like you could take classes on campus and do homes, have homeschool. And so um, that next year we did it where they were in traditional classroom setting for okay. their uh, classes. Mm -hmm. And they just came to the gym for P.E. and their mm -hmm. electives. Mm -hmm. And it just took off <laughs> so uh inspired go. by god god you know planted that seed and like you said what's for me is for me mm. and then um johnny duzang and his dad maxi um who i just uh, was uh, talking with yesterday um mm. yeah he's the one who like you know it was a need for a kid and that's what i'm about and so we there fulfilled that need <laughs> if go. it all ended today man you man god is god is good um I would coach. I would coach. I mm. would. Um, I would go full on. I, it's a passion of mine. I've been talking about it lately. Um, this part of what we do here for the podcast is building to a consulting side where we give kids roadmaps for, say, Carter's in sixth grade, right? Mm. And you're a parent who has nothing to do with basketball, and so you don't understand the process. Um, I'll consult with you and build a holistic program focused on their character development, all the information you need. Uh, mm -hmm. through this journey, how to pick a club team, how to select a high school, uh, NIL, and give them the blueprint for how they want to reach, how they get to their goal, whether mm -hmm. that's a D3 NAIA or mm -hmm. Division One, all the way to the NBA. Uh, been around it all at this point. And mm -hmm. uh, so being a consultant in that role to be able to provide the information these parents need and then also provide them with the training. Um, not me, myself, but um, building a basketball directory as well. All the top, all the trainers, right. all the coaches, so they know where to go. So this information isn't a secret. People right. can have access to how you get there, and and yeah. So I would do that as my full time job per se, and then mm -hmm. I would coach, go coach AAU, go find a high school job, and um, hop right back into it. And um, yeah, and continue to do this. Like mm -hmm. uh, core was very organic. It just happened, right? Like, kid had a need. I fulfilled that need. Mm. This podcast has been so... I people like you reaching out to me. You mm. know what I mean? It's like, you know, Matt Barnes asked to be on this show. It's like, mm. yo, I love what you're doing, bro. Let me be on your show. What? Yeah. You? Okay, oh, bet. Yeah. Like, yeah. let's do it. And yeah. so it's been very organic, and we have a lot of ideas. Shout out to Karina. Karina mm. is the creative director who is the mastermind behind all, all of this, yeah. and we have a lot of good ideas just for content and... Um, good information for people um, mm -hmm. i'm not doing it for me i'm doing it so people can learn and breathe so yeah no that's that's dope i know for me the one th the things i always tend to 
I tell people now, regardless if they come to my school or not, <clears throat> research the coaches, yeah. research the staff, because your kid is with that person all day. Yeah. And a lot of, you see a lot of kids, parents all of a sudden like, oh, man, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. Why? Uh, you know, he's not playing. It's like, is he getting everything he needs outside of that? Is he telling you the whole truth? That's the thing. Uh, kids can, they're, 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 they can be manipulative. And where do you think they learn from? <laughs> right. Very so, <laughs> like, so it's, it's little things like that. So, you know, you got to self-check. But I think when people, people, before they go to high school, I think these kids need to start going back to a place where they have to lead. I get it. Everybody wants to go play on the, the team. Let's go be on this stack team. Let's get on TV. Let's go. Look, man. <laughs> dude, go to a place where you get on the floor. Yep. And not because I know this dude, but look at somebody like Joe Sterling. Like, come on, man. Let's get that kid his credit, dude. Like, let's get that kid his credit. Bucket. He's doing what he's supposed to do. Does, does he have to, his stuff to work on? Every kid does. Like, but, dude, come on, man. Like, that's just call a spade a spade, right? Mm -hmm. Then you go look at a kid like, what's the kid at uh, Bosco McCoy, right? Boy, he, he can play. Yeah. And he got a nice little mean streak to him, right? You got to give, you know, shots out to, like, like Crow. Like, before his son started doing that, like, that's son-father duo, yeah. right? You looking at Gil's son. Like, look at Chris Johnson's son. Like, we got to start giving these 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 dads, no disrespect to the moms, but start giving these dads a little bit more credit because it takes a lot, man. Whether they're together or not, it takes a lot to still lead outside because there's so many things as a man that we just like, bro, we got to do this, this, this. <laughs> and our daughters, sons, it doesn't matter. They look. But these parents, whether y'all in the same home or not, get on the same page. Yeah. Get on the same page about your child or your children, and especially when it comes to sports. Sit down. Who is this person that's coaching? Man. Who is? Who are you? What do you? What, what's going on with you? And watch them, because if you don't, you're gonna be sitting around like, I never knew, and you're not gonna be perfect all the time. I get that, but I think as parents, we have to get to a point. We gotta say, who is this person? Yeah. Check your circle. I think we got to get back to neighborhoods and saying like, hey, I'm watching out for Todd's kids. Who is like that's what was that's I think that's missing. Yes. Who is this kid? Because you got a lot of people in their homes hating on other kids. You got grown people hating on kids. Man. Like, oh, he ain't dad. I don't like his daddy. I don't like his mom. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. So now the kid don't like the. It's like you ruin a relationship that can help them go further than what they possibly think they can go. So. I think as time goes along, I think we got to get back to that that foundation. I think people got to start reinvesting back in their local high schools. Kids got to start nothing wrong with private schools, but again, going to learn how to lead is totally it's it's a different experience. Because again, these colleges and these kids that are in these programs, these stacked programs, they get to college, they don't know what to do. Yep. Yep. Wait a minute, you you won, you was this. Two, three years in a row. You won two, three years in a row. Like, you, you guys were champions. Yeah, but I was I was in the background. I wasn't the man. I was just. Yep. And then I think, you know, 
certain coaches, you got to be more active, be more interactive with, with the youth. You got to be more creative. You know, you have all these AAU programs. I'm not tied to one. I'm not tied to one, right? Carter played for Paul George Lead. I know the guys over at Cali Rebels. You know, I've been with, you know, Compton Magic. I know guys at West Coast Elite. There are certain things that need to happen. And I think every school should adopt this. Bring in those, those have, have a point. Have an AAU day. Yep. Have an AAU day. And just have them come in and talk about their program. Let the parents hear about it. Get all the information. Boom. And let them decide. That's it. That's what I think because at the end of the day, everything don't fit everybody. That's, it. That's what we do with our, our, our middle school kids. Yeah. We have the high school coaches come through, yeah. and they're able to see the kids. I put them, hey, what kid are you interested in? Mm. Put them in direct contact with that parent. Yeah. Now, and then they have a they have a template to follow. Yeah. They go tour the school. This is what you're looking for on the tour from yeah. a school perspective. Right. This is what you look at when you go to practice cleanliness of gym. What are mm. the assistant coaches doing? Mm. How are, are they on the line? Where's the water? Are there oh. balls on the ground? Like all the details of a nicely ran program, yeah. you know, and what are, you know, your preference for a program. Yeah. Then I tell them to go to three games. First game, you're just watching the coach. Don't yeah. even watch the game. Yeah. See how your coach is reacting to the kids, to the ref, to the, uh -huh. now watch the best player. Mm. That's going to tell you about culture. It's going to tell you about the level that they can get to. Yeah. Then watch the kid at the end of the bench. Yeah. in the environment that you're in. Yeah. How are they acting? Are they bought in? Are they mad because they're not playing? Right. It's going to tell you about the culture. So, mm -hmm. no, that, man, that is everything yeah. that I'm on is giving that information to parents so they can make better decisions and you're yeah. going to see less transferring. You'll see, mm -hmm. you know, kids developing and their leadership skills developing. No, 100%. Like, yeah. that's just, I think ultimately, like, you know, as time goes on, I think that needs to happen. I think prep schools have to go back to being the school in the sense of like the postgrads. Mm -hmm. Let that be for the postgrads. Don't take the high school experience away from kids. Mm -hmm. You know, I have my my personal opinion about CIF. I wish the transfer rule would change. I wish. Not saying. Like I'm not saying I I like it or dislike it now. But it's more so like that first year, all right, you transfer. Yeah. Right? So you, when you go, you transfer, you're able to play right away. Okay? Now that second time, that's where we're going to pop you. Right. That's where we're going to pop you. And it's in, in the only way, it's like, because I think in Nevada they do, you got to sit off a year. Whole year. Yep. So I think, I think. California should get to a point like, all right, if we let this first year go, this second year, we're going to get you. Right. Like the NCAA does it now. Yeah. Yep. Like, you, you you, have to, and here's why, right? I think they need to be a little bit, like, you got to have a legit reason. You have to really look at it. But it's too many kids. I get it. CIF is doing the best they can do. But I, I get it to a certain degree. But I, I just think there's so many different things. Like, even in the game, I mentioned the ref. I wonder if us having... A restricted area would be good but mm. the question is now it's a lot you got to really determine what to charge a block mm -hmm. you really got to determine that and that's tough yeah and because I because I've been in ref meetings before and I listen I hear them. like oh oh that's oh. a tough job <laughs> oh like okay I got it I get I get it but 
you know, for the most part, man, I just think as time goes along, especially with high school, um, need more mentors. I think, I think, you know, with the resources that some of these private schools have, I think you have to, you have to look at mental wellness. You have to look at, um, nutrition. You have to look at all these different things. Um, and I think college coaches got to get back to taking these kids to college practices. Yeah. Go. I don't, you know, I'll hear every, every level too. Yeah. Like go to masters. Yes. Wait a minute, this dude was with, he was on, he was killing on, why is he over here? Now? Masters has, their yeah. whole team is Division One dudes, man. And that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, you go down to Fullerton College, you go, dude, them dudes got some dudes. Yep. But, and I think that's just, you know, a, a lot of people need to figure out what it is. I think these kids need to go to these practices and see it. Mm-hmm. You see how intense it is. Oh, yeah, coach is going off. Right. He's going off. Yes. Right? And it's like, it's not always peaches and cream. Like, do you understand what questions to ask on a recruiting trip? Who to talk to? Like, you know, you know, when we went on those recruiting trips, we weren't concerned about the steak dinner. We weren't. Where I'm watching you. I'm I'm a dad. I'm sitting there watching you. I'm watching you. Like, even with um, like now, uh, you know, I talk to the staff, like, after you sign, are they still recruiting you? Yep. Are they still recruiting you? And I ain't talking about just on the phone. Like, are they still recruiting? Hey, once you come down for this game, like, are, you, are they still recruiting you? Because you don't want to have that feeling like, oh, I'm just, I'm relaxed. Yep. I'm relaxed. You want to have the excitement that they're still coming. Right. And, then, yep, and like for Carter, you know, I, you know, I the whole staff, that whole Arizona staff is unbelievable. I'm not saying it because Carter's running. They are truly amazing. There's a particular staff member that, you know, he he's already talked to Carter about an online church and an in-person church that some of the players go to. So to me, that's like, okay, you care about his well-being. Yeah. You know, that it's, it's important, man, because... You have too many kids going off to college and they don't know. And a lot of them don't even know the city that they're going to. Right. Like, these are small towns. Right? And there's no knock on, on this school at all. Some kids ain't never been to L.A. You come to UCLA, it's a whole different world, man. Mm-hmm. So, do you understand where you're at? If you don't, you can get, not necessarily, I wouldn't say in trouble, but you can find yourself kind of like overwhelmed. And I'm pretty sure, I know they have people on their staff that can reel those guys in. You know, it's the same thing if you go to go to Penn State. It's in Happy Valley. It's nothing there to a certain <laughs> degree. It's just a Penn State. Wow. So, that's a small town. you from L.A., but you go to Penn State. Or you from a big city, and you go somewhere like a small town where it's important. Even on a recruiting trip, the, the one thing that we told Carter was this. Invest in the community. The community can feel if you really invested or not. That's right. everything for them. So talk to the people. When you on your trip and they talking to you and you haven't, talk to them. Have a conversation with somebody. You don't know who people are. Yeah. So that's important. And I think like parents need to understand that when you go out of town to these trips. Because it's fan, they, like, there's fans. And they'll sit there, they'll watch mom and dad. You don't understand. There's alumni that live around the corner from where you go to school. And they go, and they get a call and be like, 
hey, we really want this kid. We need to go watch him. And they will have on a gray sweater and some, <laughs> some Lululemon pants. You want to like, who's that? I won't notice him. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, coach. Man. It's, it's, it's because it is, it is a business. Yeah. I, it is a business. I have to know what I'm dealing with. And I tell the parents, I tell the kids, you have to do these things. You have to, body language is important. And people are, but yes, body language in any facet of life. And if you don't check that, you can find yourself in a situation where you're just like, man, like people have this, they'll look at you and go, oh, that dude's not locked in. And it can be a one small moment. And I learned that at an early age, ninth, ninth grade, we lost Capital Valley in championship. My uncle walks by the bench right after this picture was taken. I didn't realize picture. I'm sitting there and my feet are kicked out and I had this long face with my hand on my face. That picture happened that fast. It was mm. on the front page. Dang. <laughs> that happened that fast. Yeah. But I learned my lesson, like quick, like body language is important. Right? And then even like, you know, with with Carter and Sydney, I tell them all the time, speak life into your teammates. Speak life into your coach. Even if you don't agree, there's a there's a code that you have to have about yourself. Um, I know for Carter and I last year, if I got too overwhelming where he just needed, like, I'm good, he'd just give me the thumbs up. Like, all right, I'm at my limit right now. Like, all right, got it. So, so, so I like that. So it's, it's, it's just little things. Like, you know, even if you don't hear me, if you hear me, you kind of like being, I wouldn't say dismissive, kind of like, I, I hear you, coach. All my players, got you. Thumbs up. Even to a teammate. Like, if I'm on you, Todd, how many times is this going to happen, man? Got you, man. And that's that's it's crazy. I hate when people thumbs up me, but I get it. Yeah. <laughs> that that, that uh, that's a yeah. good little sign. So you got a twenty four second shot clock. Okay, that's your camera right there. Got let you. the people know where they can find you. Anything that you want to encourage the people with, or uh, let them know what's going on in your life. Twenty four seconds on you. Uh, you can find me. I'm not really. I'm a social media guy, but but uh, I'm on social media on. What Instagram and Twitter? Uh, I don't even know my handle's name. But that's how much I really don't pay attention. But my IG is, I think it's Mr. Bryant. I think it's, uh, and then my Twitter is Deshaun B D C E A N B on Twitter. Uh, quick little fun fact about me: I hate snakes. Don't ever bring a snake around me. Human or animal, right? Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Deshaun Bryant, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate, Appreciate you, my brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, guys. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.